You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about creativity, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art, we talk about trauma, we talk about spiritualism, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, mediocrity, and meritocracy. And yeah, we do talk about dark shit sometimes, like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, uh, addiction, mental health stuff, so you know, be forewarned. Each week, artists, designers, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, fatties, teachers, queers, and all other types of beautiful people. Join me, Brad Pearson, just a guy, not an expert, not a therapist, in a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst? Do you want to confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on Self Worst. Hello! How we doing, folks? How was your week? How we doing? It's Friday. I didn't think that I was going to put one out this week. Uh, I didn't have a guest booked. And then in comes our guest, Jake Flores, the 11th hour. What a guy. We recorded this last night. Um, so it's a long boy. It's a big boy. So uh, I'm going to try and be brief with this intro and everything. Uh, you know, I don't got much to say. I'm feeling better. I uh, got a, you know, I had a cold last week. We went out to Asbury Park, went to the beach. And I don't want to sound too much like a hippie, but the ocean cured me, man. The salty air and the sunshine. I just I instantly felt better. My voice is still a little scratchy, but I think that's just because it's early in the morning. I'm doing this, you know, like I do. I like to record these up and at them. These are the first words I've said today. But anyway. We got Jake Flores on the show. This is the first time he's been back in a while. I had him on the show uh, kind of in the first, I don't know, year or so of this podcast. And uh, he's been one of my favorite guests. And uh, he runs two of my favorite podcasts, Pod Damn America and Why You Mad. Uh, you know, we just had Luisa from Why You Mad on the show as well. And uh, they're both great podcasts. If you're a fan of this show, you'll probably like those shows. Um you know, a, a dark sense of humor and a kind of a, a bit of a bleak outlook, but a good amount of, I don't know, uh, compassion for people and not a sense of, you know, nihilism. Uh, we talk about that. We, we talk about a lot of shit. Like I said, this is a long boy. This is, uh, I'm going to try and, uh, not ramble too much. Just let you know, uh, patreon.com slash self worse. We got bonus episodes, blah, blah, blah. You know what to do. Rate and review us and all of that shit. That would be really cool of you. I love you guys. I hope you're, uh, you know, enjoying the, uh, uncomfortable heat that is out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, staying safe and, uh, all of that shit. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying uh, one of the last summers <laughs> that we're going to have uh, before, you know, it's the big summer when the planet just melts. 
as we will call it. Uh, that's all. All right. Uh, let's, you know, let's just go to the interview. Uh, enough, enough of this shit. Let's go. All right. I guess, uh, let's start. Uh, welcome back to the show. It's been a couple of years. You were last on in like what, 2019 or something like that. It's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I think it's kind of hard to tell with the time blur because of the pandemic. And shit. Yeah. I feel like, I mean like the last year or so maybe doesn't count or something. I don't know. Like I, I you kind of kept making shit throughout the whole, uh, throughout the whole pandemic, maybe like one or two weeks off, uh, you know, during the, during the protests and stuff. Uh, I, th- I think a lot of, uh, podcasters kind of stepped aside for a second, but, uh, seems like you, you were pretty consistent with making content. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone was complaining about like, oh, I'm so bored and shit. And I was kind of actually a little resentful of that because I was like, man, my job just like kept happening. Like I see I quit my day job, but like podcasting is a full time job. Being a fucking creative person in this world, the competition is such that it what sucks is you have to do your eight hour day job and then an eight hour night job at night. Right. And so when you do quit your day job, it's not as though you have this huge moment where you get to relax. You just start to live a normal 40 hour work week, which is still annoying. So like the whole pandemic, I, you know, I was just working like, it, and it never stopped being crazy. And, you know, even though everything was boring, there's still a lot of events that really threw everything all over the place and shit. So eh, shit's been crazy as usual. What does your schedule look like usually, um, you know, in the day of in, in, in the average day of like, a, you know, a, a podcaster, a comedian guy uh, with, uh, you know, with no day job? What does that look like? I purposely like try to set it up to where it's not a, a fucking nightmare or not like a, an encumbering like, you know, page like what most jobs are. My entire goal, I think, career-wise, has been to get like to to something resembling what you know a self-employed person lives like, or like what? Well, not even that. Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to destroy work. Like, I'm trying to make you know the things that I like to do be the work, and in that process, you know, not have like oh, I got to get up at eight a.m. So, like, a big thing for me is like I don't fucking get up early. I worked at bars forever. I do comedy. I'm a night owl. Like, so yeah. what I do is I get up at fucking noon because I, this is the dream, you know? <laughs> right. The whole idea was get up at noon, fucking later sometimes. And um, then I have like two days kind of the week that are like really cordoned off to like uh, to work. So like Wednesday is my big work day. I try to get everything done on Wednesday. That way the rest of the week, you know, there's still stuff I need to do, but it's not like a fucking sit down at a desk, like computer type thing. It's like you can sort of gradually deal with all the stuff as it's flowing through the day. And, um, you know, and right. then some, you can take a break whenever you want. I, uh, another thing that's really big for me is like fluidity. Like I don't like having rigid schedules because mm. one thing that works to your advantage when you're doing stuff like I'm doing is being able to do anything anytime you need to so like um we were talking about this at the bar last time we were hanging out there's this weird thing where like the the gig economy like and bartending and sex work and all this other all this stuff that's really popular right now yeah. and like quote-unquote late capitalism or whatever what sucks about it is that it's like 
is evil and you don't get, you know, health insurance and you don't, um, you know, it's, it's ultimately a net bad. Like it's their fucking. Yeah, there's, there's no stability. There's no, uh, you know, workman's comp. There's no like paid time yeah. off. There's no none of that. There's no. There's you work no, until uh, you fucking die or you get no another security. job. And the reason there's no security is because they're taking advantage of the precarity that you exist in. But the thing is, you can use the precarity to your advantage. So like, like, um, when I, when I used to deliver food, right. Um, working for one of those gig apps was worse than working at a restaurant, like hours, like just from how much money you're making in an hour. Yeah. But it was ultimately better because I could do stand up while I was doing it and thus actually net more money because I could work for five hours, pick up a gig on the fly, go do the spot, make 20 bucks of the spot and then go back to work and keep working. And that actually netted more money because of the you see what I'm saying, like the. the yeah, the, the flexibility back, was the main yeah. main selling point. And I honestly I mean, like with dog walking, that's a big thing, too. I'm pretty clear to take off whatever time I need so long as I give them a day or two notice, you know? So yeah. like, I, I, I usually can't day of sometimes I can though, you know, like sometimes I can just be like, you know, I'll just text my other walkers and just be like, can someone cover this last, you know, can someone walk, walk Remy? I got to go. And it usually works out. So like the flexibility there is nice, but it, I mean, I worked for uh task rabbit for a minute and just the, uh, the ability to kind of turn off and turn on, you know, I'm on call or, or I'm, I'm unavailable, uh, was, was kind of nice. But I mean, ultimately I, I think I made like maybe $300 total from that whole, yeah. from that whole app, you know, and I was on it for a few months and, um, you know, the, the things that it led to were really just me getting like off the books jobs where like, uh, there was this like, nice old Jewish lady in like Leffert's gardens who, you know, she hired me for the first time via the app and then was just like, come over next Saturday. I got some more stuff. I'll just give you cash, you know? And then, you know, and, and it just became that I was just like coming over and just like working in the backyard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird how this stuff, like it's, it grows into other stuff. So like, I guess the reason I was describing all that is cause yeah, I mean, it grew into like, me setting up my own situation here with how I work and like uh I kept a lot of that flexibility so like an average day unless if it's unless it's like the one or two big work days I have where I'm like scheduled out like all right I'm gonna record this hour and then edit for this hour and then fucking send emails for this hour unless it's like a Wednesday or a Saturday or something like that mm-hmm. um I'd be I a lot of it is like I woke up today. I was like hungover. You know, I looked. I started rolling out tour announcement shit. People yeah. started emailing me, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take my time, watch some fucking TV, get back to this, and then when I get back to it, like I'm gonna honestly later tonight, I'm gonna do some work. Like I just because I didn't feel like it today, and like that to me, that's always been the goal. Not having a ton of money, but just like the freedom. Uh, yeah, you know, that's what I'm trying to build here. So like. Plus, I think I have some kind of ADD or something going on where, like, so the regimented stuff just does not work for me. So, like, what I'm really into um, something that people actually kind of uh, say is not good. Um, and I'm kind of interested to hear your thoughts on this. I can't remember the exact word for it, but there's like a term, like a psychological term for it, which is, um, uh, I, I can't remember what it is. But what I do is I'm really into nighttime because for me, 
when I work during the day, I feel like the fucking daylight is, uh, you know, burning and like you have this five o'clock deadline coming and then you have to stop or something like that. Something really weird about it stresses me out. So what I do is I take the entire night off. I'm alone. I don't have any fucking thing really working against me, except for eventually I'll get tired and go to sleep. And what that makes what that does for me is it makes me feel like I have like an infinite amount of time mm. and then I'll sit down and do like all of something at the same time, like try to fucking really plow through an entire book or something or like really, really like work in huge batches, you know, or like like even literally if I'm cooking, I'll do like meal prep shit. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it all on fucking Thursday night or whatever. Or uh, yeah. and, and I don't know why the the like the 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 idea of like you can stay up as late as you want and it doesn't really matter there's like no wall you hit really works for me it makes me like able to concentrate in a way that i usually can't yeah in i don't know in my experience and i don't know if this is has more to do with adhd or depression or maybe just that special little cocktail of both that i got uh having big swaths big spaces of open time like that just really it kind of almost has the opposite effect of where I look at a big chunk of time and it's daunting to me. And then I don't really know quite what to do. And then I become, you know, like that meme of uh, Quentin Tarantino, just like standing around his house, like looking at shit. And he's just like looking at the China cabinet and he's like staring yeah. at the wall. Like that's <laughs> me. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. And, you know, especially when like, this is when I was a little younger, like when I was in school, I would sometimes take, you know, the summer to just like, okay, so I got this summer between, you know, school years, uh, I'm gonna write a screenplay, you know, and I had this like ambition to do that. And I never did, because I was, I could not get myself to do it. Like, it, it just, it never, like, I would stress myself out about it. And I would start writing. And then, you know, it was just that like blank page syndrome. And like, it yeah. just never really... I was never able to do it. And what I've found is I actually against my, maybe my instinct or my better, I don't know, my nature. Uh, I actually prefer a pretty regimented schedule. I actually really like, I, I function best when I do get up or in the morning, not early, early, but like, you know, 7am, I got up at seven today and I exercised. And then I had a little bit of time to like shower before I had like zoom therapy, you know? And yeah. so like, to me, like it was very counterintuitive the way that I had to adjust to the way my brain works, where it's just like, it needs discipline. It really needs to be put into some sort of uh walled you know cage parameters it it needs that otherwise it's just gonna not do anything yeah um, i mean i've been kind of grappling with this because like there is a thing that happens where like um you once you actually achieve something like self-employment you're like i can do whatever i want and then you realize that the things that you thought that you wanted to do actually don't work and then you like like one of the one of kind of the weirdest like most defeating things ever was you know at some point like i kind of hit a wall because there's like too far of a direction i can go in with this like night owl stuff where like i was like fuck i don't have to get up at like you know early in the morning but i think now i am going to anyway and something about that is like so like why did i even do all this shit you know 
But um, I don't know. I think I found kind of a middle ground because like there are problems with this. Like the person that was telling me like, oh, that's a psychological syndrome was saying um, that it's like you're stealing time from the next day and stuff like that. I can't, it had something to do with time and like stealing it or something. Time and theft. like, I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> a fucking sci-fi movie or something. Time but, like, bandits. Uh, yeah. But um, I mean, one thing about it that I have to really keep an eye out for that used to trip me up a lot was um, so you think in theory, you look at a fucking calendar, you know, with all the hours laid out, like in your iPhone or whatever. And you're like, well, there's 24 hours in a day. It doesn't matter right. when I put the eight hours. And Beyonce's got those 24 hours in a day. So why can't you do exactly what Beyonce does? Right. Yeah. Like everyone says stuff like that. Like that's how it works. Right. But I mean, like th there is a thing that will happen. Like, uh, like for example, let's say you do wake up at like one or two in the afternoon. Right. And mm -hmm. you're like, I'm going to get some work done today. Right. Well, everyone else in society has been up since eight in the morning. And so if you run into somebody or you have to like go meet with somebody or something like that, they're going to go like, all right, it's five o'clock. Let's go to a bar. And you've been awake for like three hours since you're like, okay, I'm going to go have a meeting with somebody or whatever. All right. Well now we're at a bar and then you, you drink. And like, for me, I'm like, you know, I have a, a healthy thirst for alcohol. So like, Sure. I have a drink. I am drinking probably for the rest of the day. Like I can not, but like, you know, yeah. but also I don't have any where I have to be or whatever. So like I will. So like with comedy, you know, doing comedy that used to fuck up me up a lot because you're expected to be out late and you're expected to do all this stuff and you get paid and drink tickets and stuff like that. Right. But also you work at night. So you will have actually you know, wake up late and then you'll go do a show and then the rest of your day starts, but you're already in party mode. Right. And you're, not, you're essentially you're day drinking. Yeah. And yeah. what you're not realizing is that that setting up a day like that, that gave you about two hours to actually get any solid work done. And you're not thinking about it because everyone else around you is cutting loose because they've been working for fucking eight hours. So you're yeah. like, wait, so you and then they all go to the home and go to sleep and you're like still awake for a few hours after them and you can't really do anything in those few hours <laughs> like like i really like drinking like it's a good time sure but for me the part that's been really bumming me out lately is like getting home after a bar or something and then just still being drunk and being like well my brain is too fucked up to like read or or watch a movie yeah really and concentrate. you're just like ah, what do i do you know and you're like kind of too wound up to sleep so it's just like dead hour that's like I don't know. I mean, listening to music and stuff like that is pretty fun during those times. Yeah. But um, but I don't know. I think I'm, I'm falling a little out of love with it. Like, I've just done it a lot. And it's kind of boring. So, like, um, yeah. So so because of this fucking window thing I'm describing of, like, oh, getting up late and then fucking going and then the rest of society being in a certain step or whatever, mm -hmm. it's caused me to have to be, like, hyper aware of that. And then, like, a lot of times I'll skip social stuff and just go, I can't do it. I'll tell people, oh, I have a thing tonight. Even if I kind of don't, I'm just like, no, I need to, like, I need to work tonight. Because right. like, yeah, I have that's, like, that's a thing tonight. That's a valid thing tonight. You have a thing. You got to work. You, I mean, you know, you got to put in the time. Yeah, but it, it's weird because if someone were to ask me, well, what is what's your work thing? The answer is not like I couldn't tell you a specific thing. The answer is just I have a to do list at all times that I kind of mm. have to keep on top of, and like, it's a that that's what like self-employment the way i'm doing it like looks like which is you know it's only one of those kind of things about capitalism that's like it's depressing because like you're technically free but you're also never 
experiencing like leisure time the way that it's described in in formal society like um this gets a little bit into like this guy moisha postone uh this philosopher one of my roommates is really into this uh he talks about time abolition a lot and like the postmodernists like deleuze and foucault and Guy Debord and stuff like that from the 70s would talk a lot about this sort of stuff about how like um you know time is this weird thing that like only really exists the way we perceive it because we live in capitalism so like for example um the idea of like a vacation is like a modern capitalistic you know almost like victorian fucking thing yeah because it that weird ritual of like oh we're gonna go to a lake house and then fuck i'm gonna go on a boat and all this stuff and um you know i'm gonna dress a certain way because i'm on vacation or whatever that like that space, that time on a space on a timeline or whatever, is defined by work time being around it, right? So, like normal nine to five people exist in this place where they're like Monday through Friday work time, Friday night, and the rest is said the weekend uh, leisure time, and it's like compartmentalized in a way where it, everything is defined, and that kind of sucks and uh, is kind of cool in some ways um and then what i'm doing and what like gig economy also kind of forces you into doing is being like all all time is just this weird mix of like yeah. at any given point i could be working or i could be doing something like for my own interest or whatever yeah but like and that also sucks and is also cool I mean, in it's, certain yeah it's it's got its uh drawbacks i don't know i mean every time i go out of town which, uh, you know, I'm going out of town for the first time in <laughs> like a, more than a year. Uh, well, I mean, like getting on a plane and shit um, pretty soon, like next month. I always bring my mics and my Zoom and stuff because I'm like, I might get talking with somebody, you know, like I might see somebody back home or something and be like, I want to record with this person, you know? And like, yeah. so like I always have it on me and it happens sometimes that, you know, that will... Like last time I was back in the Midwest for Christmas, I recorded a couple of episodes while I was back there. And it's just like, yeah, this isn't, I mean, this was, eh, it wasn't pre, you know, virtual podcasting, but it was before that really caught on. And before we all were forced to realize that like, eh, we, we can kind of do this, you know, um, where I was like, oh, this is the only time I'm going to be in the room with this person. I need to, I need to talk to them now. And like, yeah, I'm on vacation. Technically I'm having Christmas with my family or whatever, but fuck it. Yeah. Like, I'll take an hour. Yeah. I used to do that too. And it's so weird now that like everything is on zoom yeah. and everyone uses it. Do you think and you're going to like do some recording like with Avery or anything or with anybody else who you, you bump into when you're on tour? Yeah, probably. I mean, that was like the last few years right before the pandemic uh i loved doing that on tours like one of my favorite yeah, it's things really fun i mean that's the other thing is like i also i didn't look at it as like oh i gotta take my stupid zoom i was like i hope that i get to do this you know yeah, i hope that cool, i get dude. to like run into my friend eric schuster in minneapolis and i have him on the show that would be cool like you know and you know so it 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 never was like a bummer it was never a buzzkill on my vacation yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's what you're doing. I mean, you're you're doing a thing that you like, you know, so that. Yeah, the of course. But like um, what I was going to say is like when I when I was like on tour, I would bring podcast stuff with me. And then it was I really liked that the fact that like 
if you listen to the show you can hear where i'm moving and stuff there's like this cool arc to it yeah. you get to a certain place and then you interview somebody about that place and what's going on there you know and uh all that was cool but it was all operating on this assumption that uh everyone operated under except for a very select few extremely online nerds which is that uh you have to podcast in person and you you probably what's weird about the pandemic is that it's like it catalyzed this new uh like part of our living room almost i was yeah. listening to, to somebody talk, I was listening to dan Harmon talk about this and he was talking about how like the living room like if historically like you didn't have that room in your house uh but then something happened i, I don't know i'm gonna make up a th- i don't know the exact reason for it but i think it was like one of those things where like used to be when um a relative died you would have like a viewing and just put their body in like a fucking thing on the couch or whatever it's like a really weird old tradition and i think that's where living rooms come from something along these lines is, right. is like where, where it was where the, the room in your house that you take for granted where it came from came from right and so in the middle of the pandemic um i think this thing i was listening to Harmon talk about was he was talking about that and he was talking about this how there's like there's this new thing in your home and it's going to remain here after the pandemic, which is, you know, it's in your computer, but it's kind of like that, which is that we all kind of have the Jetsons like talking TV phone thing now that, yeah. uh, that we didn't really have before. You texted and then you fucking called them on the phone and you went and hung out with them in person. Uh, but this crisis like catalyzed this thing that only works because it became normalized so like before the pandemic you you know if you could tell people like oh i record my show online people might be like oh i don't have zoom i don't know how to do that or whatever until you would have to record with them in real life but this really like it it sped up the process of us developing like this thing that you see in like uh, sci-fi movies where people have video phones and stuff like that and so now you can record with anyone at any time and that that also helped a lot with like podcasting. Um, I'll say though, like on tour though, I mean, there is sometimes people say like, Oh, but it's better when you're in the room. And it's like, ah, I guess sometimes. I, I mean, honestly, I go back from back and forth on that, man. Because like I've done one, I think I've done one, maybe two in-person interviews since, you know, since we all got vaccinated and everything. It was just like, Oh, just come over and we'll just, we'll just hash this out in person. And it does feel different. And when I like pre pandemic, I did do a couple of virtual, uh, you know, just over like, I think we were using Google Hangouts at that time. I wasn't using Zoom yet. Um, But, you know, just by necessity, like one person lived in Kansas City, one person, I don't know, he was just real busy. Uh, I think I recorded with Jim Two's over over Zoom or Google Hangouts or something. and it was okay, and I walked away from it being like, that went fine, I guess, but I really wish they were here. Maybe maybe, maybe it's just the nature of this podcast in particular, where oftentimes we're having pretty, uh, I don't know, personal, maybe intimate conversations, you know, uh, mental health and emotions and stuff come up. And there just is something that gets slightly lost in translation with having a person across a video screen versus actually sitting across from you. Um, But the pandemic forced me to adapt 
and just sort of make do or like, well, that's not fucking happening. So too bad. Like you're just going to have to talk to the computer screen and you're just going to have to try and make a connection that way. And it's almost like I learned how to do it. It's almost like I learned how to, because there was something like the first, if you listen to interviews that I did last summer, I did one with Avery actually. Um, Oh, cool. There was one that was kind of like, it was just, she was fine and everything, but like I was uncomfortable. Like I just felt kind of like, I'm not, I'm new to this. I'm not really sure how, like the, there was just something in lost in translation that I wasn't able to, you know, there was some human connection thing that I felt was missing viscerally, but I'm used to it now. And now like I can, yeah, I can, I can do it now. Um, you know, and, and it like, now I'm seriously like either way, like if you want to come out to red hook or I can come to you and we can record, that would be chill. But you know, if you, if you want to sit at home, I totally understand. And we can just do it that way too. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a process. Like it's not a hundred percent, like exactly like the regular thing, but I mean, it's like, I think what's really interesting is how that thing you just described of like getting better at it, that would not have happened if there was no pandemic and there was just some other reason that you individually had to start using zoom. Like, I don't know, broke your leg or something like that. Right. I mean, you know, to some extent it would have, but it happened more because this is like a social interconnected thing. So like, for example, everybody had to do it. Also, everyone has better microphones now and like that, this wouldn't have worked if everyone didn't have better mics, but because everyone has this thing where they also have to do like, you know, work meetings and stuff on fucking zoom all day. It just, it catalyzed this thing that isn't like, you know, it's technology. It's not a good or a bad. It's just a neutral. And it's kind of fascinating watching the way it's affecting our lives. I think about it a lot because like, I don't like, I'm like, "Ah, I did it. I broke out of the fucking grind. I don't have a day job. And yet I, sometimes I look at like my schedule, especially on those busy days I'm describing. And I'm like, I'm doing the exact same thing as these people with these fucking office jobs, though, which is <laughs> the dreading. fake email job. Yeah, the fake email job thing. Uh, you know, is is what what I see these people tweeting about is like I'm kind of the same thing that I I feel, which is like when you look at your fucking calendar and it's all blocked off, like hours of oh I got to be in like meetings and yeah. stuff like that, and. I'm like, man, you really can't escape this shit. (laughs) I mean, you got to do something with your fucking day. I don't know. Like, it it just. Yeah, you do got to do something. (laughs) I think that there's something about the like even the same work maybe being done in an office or something like that. There was something about it that was just less flat and like in your face and like like you're literally not sitting in one spot and like like there's something about it that felt kind of kind of depressing where you're like even if you're doing something you like you're just like man i'm not gonna hunch over this fucking screen for like eight hours every day forever i just i don't know i was thinking about that a lot and also like um this is kind of a basic like almost gen x-y sort of like system man like observation or whatever but like um i also i saw a friend of mine invited me to a concert couple weeks ago and i said yes and i uh bought a ticket for it online and then the ticket came with free trial subscription to uh one of those boxes you get like subscription boxes of like food yeah and uh and i did it because the first week was free and then i kept it for a couple weeks because it was like well okay you know 
it's kind of it tastes pretty good the price is not bad you're learning to cook um oh it's you know, like one of those like meal kit things yeah right. uh yeah those are fun i don't know I, I got no real beef with those we we used hello fresh for a while and i was like you know what this is all right this, it this is fine. actually kind I, of fun i ultimately stopped it because uh the time like i was like you know what i don't like cooking like a fancy ass dinner three times a week like i will just right shit care um but the, the in the middle of using it i was having this weird crisis with it where i was like kind of bummed out at how well it worked because it was working but i was like you ever like feel yourself getting depressed about getting excited about something like i was like oh my food box is here oh great and i started to feel like a hamster like oh you know like, <laughs> I mean, like a fight club or something like i was like wow this is modern existence they send you a little box with your fucking meals and then you get excited and go like Ooh, you know, I got pork this week. And then you sit there alone in your kitchen and parse it all out. And then you run on your little wheel. And it's like, yeah, what the fuck is this? You know? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I've thought about that, too. But then, like, I, I usually just, like, kind of, like, like, slap myself out of that. You know, like, like the, like, hysterical person in a disaster movie. I'm just like, shut up. Pull yourself together. Because, like, the way that I, like, because I've thought about it in terms of, I don't know. I had this thought, I was like really a little too high and I was at the record shop and I was like thumbing through records and I was like getting excited finding things and I was just like, look at you just like picking through stuff and oh, you're so excited to find this record and you just do this every Saturday and this is your life. And I was just like, yeah, it's my fucking life. I don't know. Shut up, bitch. Like this is, I don't care. I'm living a human life and I'm, I'm fine. I found a thing that makes me happy. I go to the record store on Saturdays with my girlfriend and my dog. And I get excited to go there and, and find new records. So what? Man. You know, and, and like try and not beat myself up so much about just like having just like a regular human existence. I can't. I have such a problem <laughs> with that. I have such a fucking problem living in the moment and like finding happiness. Yeah, like it's that. hard. It's, it's hard to do if you're like if I mean, you're a really smart guy and I think your brain is operating constantly on like a couple of different levels. You're having the conversation. You're having the meta conversation inside of your head about the conversation. It's all going on at the same time. You know, like it's it's hard to have kind of a layered, you know, pattern of thought. Yeah, and I mean, I'm also like, I don't know, you know, I'm I'm in my mid 30s, and the the pandemic kind of stole a year, you know, and so there's just like yeah. this weird thing where I'm now I'm looking at my life in like a very long, you know, wide angle or view or whatever, and I'm kind of like, when does the fun exactly happen? Like, when is the thing that I say, oh, this is what I enjoyed about my life happen? Because I always feel like I'm like working towards like the fucking time uh, abolition thing I was yeah. talking about, like like working towards this weekend thing that is going to happen at some point but it doesn't really and even when it does it's i'm too freaked out because i'm like ah it's happening and it's gonna be over really soon or whatever it's so like i'm kind of just like when like i, I don't when i hear people ha like explain themselves having these moments of like uh you know like something you would write a poem about like oh man i just went for a walk and everything was fucking great or whatever i'm like how i don't get it like i never I have to really force myself to drink in like existence like that. And I, I kind of think here's another thing I want to run by. You. I thought might be kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm reading this book called chasing the scream right now. It's pretty good. It's about the drug war. Um, but it's, you know, guy 
goes through a lot of different aspects of the drug war and addiction and and the science and stuff and uh it's stuff that like you and you know people listening to this probably already know which is that like um the the <laughs> here's something that's kind of interesting before like this one really fucking evil fbi agent came in and was like i'm gonna fight you know drugs and like everyone that's addicted is a degenerate or whatever before all that shit happened medicine understood that addiction is like a medical condition yeah. it's weird he just politically beat out these doctors but like everyone already understood that so whenever you hear about this stuff now it sounds like it's like newfangled left-wing gobbledygook to people but it's like literally everyone already knew this right so um he's talking about addiction in this book in a way that i think is really interesting where um basically the data on it is that like you know two-thirds of people who are like proper diagnosed addicts in the world uh have like trauma in their childhood and shit and so there's like this link where like if you're basically you know if, you, if something fucks you up when you're a kid you then are more susceptible to be somebody who's like constantly in a little bit of pain and so you yeah. use chemicals to you know, for relief to make you feel good of and course. like i think that's how i feel i also think it's a very common thing like, yeah it's, you know, pretty much why people use drugs or whatever but um you know but some people have it a little bit more and i think like i think that's what's going on with me because i like i think i just i feel it i'm like yeah that's why i like to have a drink every now and then it's because there's this low running like hum of just pain at all times and yeah. i think that's why i can't i think if you don't have that you can go for a walk and see nature and be like wow it's beautiful i'm gonna just take this in and you know enjoy life but i'm like that no that thing is always there so i'm not thinking about like the stuff that's in front of me i'm not able to do like the mindfulness thing or whatever you're supposed to be able to do where you're just like exist i'm like you know i've done i think i've done a good job at like turning that constant hum of pain into productivity and shit which is you know good on some level but like but it's always taking you out of the moment you know yeah man that sucks i'm, I'm i mean like like that that makes me sad for you <laughs> like i mean you're not you're not having fun now it seems like your life is pretty okay you're you're doing you're doing the thing you want to do you got two cool podcasts and stuff and you know yeah no i mean of course and like it's weird you know this is so paradoxical because i'm like saying that and then also i have like a great life like i yeah. did not think in a million years that i would actually achieve self-employment and get to where and get like paid to do what i love and stuff like that um and yet yeah i mean life is just like that you know you just you get you get these things that are like you know on a fucking an oasis on the horizon or whatever and then you get to them and then there's a new horizon you know yeah. you just you never really feel it um there was a comedy contest in austin when i lived there and uh which is a good like metaphor for this that so everyone in the comedy scene in austin obsessed over this thing called fpia funniest person in austin and uh because at the time like everyone thought i think everyone thought like if you win you're going to get, first of all, you make like a lot of money. Like I, I, the prize is pretty good. And then like you get sent to just for laughs and you get industry meetings and you, then your career is going to launch from there and you're like made. And everyone thought that because at one point in history, the economy was a little bit better and that did happen. That used to, like, to be the thing. That used to be like you get on Carson and then you're, you're good. Yeah. And so, uh, 
So when I was coming up, it was kind of while that was waning, like the economy and everything and the industry. And so I knew a few guys who won and they all described this thing that happened where it's like you win and you've been thinking about this for years. And then you wake up the day, next day and literally nothing has changed. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I just have to keep going. Like the, yeah. some of them quit comedy after that, like because no, you realize like, oh, that's not how this works, you know? And I think that's kind of how I'm, I'm in a space like that right now with my own kind of relative success with my career where I'm like, oh, right. Like, it's great, but life is not a story where there's like an ending. Like, yeah. it's just a thing that just keeps happening, you know? Yeah. I'm like, okay, what do I do with this now? Yeah, it's hard. I don't know. I think it, um, you know, I think that that might be the intersection of a couple of things. And I've heard people talk about this a lot. I mean, it's it's a mixture of the human condition and capitalism and depression. Um, you know, one of my main podcasting heroes, Paul Gilmartin, the Mental Illness Happy Hour, uh, talks about this moment when he was on. So m- most people might know him. You know, if they don't know him from the show, they know him from he was on Dinner in a Movie. He was the guy on that TBS show, Dinner in a Movie, like throughout the okay. 90s where they they cook a meal and they watch Turner and Hooch or whatever the fuck. Um, and he when he was working on that show, his like main um, aspiration was to one day have a billboard on the Sunset Strip. He was like, that's that would be the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. That would be just I, if I do that, then I'll be great. And yeah. then it happened. There was an <laughs> ad for dinner in a movie with his stupid face on it uh, yeah. up on the Sunset Strip, and he like drove past it, and he was just like, "Why'd they use that photo?" And he like kind of yeah. lost respect for <laughs> like the like the Sunset Strip and just the industry in general, and was just like, "Oh my God, what's it gonna take?" Like, I'm never going to be happy, and I was just like. I've thought about that several times through several different lenses, um, you know, through just like look at it through a depression lens and you you realize that there is this void in you that can never be filled. And it's there's this inability for you. I mean, it's neurochemical. Your brain just is not pumping out enough serotonin, enough dopamine. Um enough oxytocin for you to like feel like a normal person but also i i mean i think it is just kind of a it's a condition it's a it's a human condition it's living in capitalism it's living with this message pounded into us from the time we're born that you know your life is just this like up and up excelsior kind of trajectory and then one day there's a happily ever after there and that that's not really how life works and it fucks with people like on like a spiritual like in your like heart and soul kind of level where you're like what's wrong with me you know I've gotten everything that I thought I wanted and I'm still not happy. And that's when people fucking kill themselves. They'll fucking Anthony Bourdain themselves. Like, you yeah. know, like it's, it's really bad. And, and like it, it always, I mean, it's really hard to get to a place where 
the only way that I've been able to manage it is to just sort of embrace what you're saying with that low level um, hum of pain. Um, I mean, I feel that too. Like I, I know what you're talking about. Like there is just constantly this just sort of sense of like, yeah, but it's not great. Right. Like, I mean, honestly, I'm pretty privileged and I'm living an okay life and I have an air conditioner and I'm a, you know, I'm like a straight white guy in America and like I, I have the internet and like materially I'm pretty okay. And I can live my dream, but like, there is just this sort of like sense of like, yeah, but like this, it's like, it's bad and like really disgusting and depraved out there. Right. You know, the only way that I've been able to manage it is to just be like, yeah, that's part of it too. (laughs) And just, and just like, and just embrace it and just be like, yeah, there's okay. That's, that's that low level of pain. That's that low hum of pain that's also in the day. I'm going to try and go for a walk with my low hum of pain and look at the trees and, you know, just like have like I'm in Prospect Park and, oh, this is nice. And like, I'm going to try and like not think too much about, you know, I don't know, climate change and urban development and like how this park was probably built and probably bulldozed like a, a neighborhood to make this park for rich people and stuff like that. You know, like I just... I can I can kind of like ride that out. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the other problem I have with it is that like sometimes when someone will say like, hey, let's go to the park. I'll go, why? And they're like, <laughs> just to go to the park. And then I'm like, that stresses me out that you would do that because I like the capitalism is doing one thing to me, which is that like, you're not supposed to do anything that isn't productive, which is why I like solved that problem by going like, okay, well, I'm going to take things I like and try to make them productive, like productive in the economic sense. Like, you know, this all, uh, uh, you know, I, I, oh, it's a book I want to read. Okay. Well, it's not just a waste of time to read it. I can make a podcast about it and that's my job and it makes me money or whatever. It's like, right. I solve all these problems because I have this immense stress about that. Um, but then the other thing is that there's like some kind of weird, like guilt complex coming from like i don't know catholicism or something where i'm like sometimes i'm like this is insane that i'm like not i i like feel bad for like going to the park you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> and I like caught my, we, we went out to asbury park last weekend um and it was really lovely and i i saw my like i saw myself sitting on the beach and all these people around me and i was like what are we even doing? Why are we like, you know, there was this voice in my head that was just like, did I earn this? Do I deserve this? You know, all of that shit. And, and like, I, I don't know. Again, it's just, I've gotten so used to that voice constantly nagging me that now it doesn't bother me as much, but it's taken 36 years of me like really being tortured by that voice for me to finally just be like, okay, you know, and just like kind of keep pressing forward. Yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, is that how you fix it? You just, I, that's a, that's a solution that I've found, man. Like I just kind of, uh, and this was a thing, um, we, we were talking about him a little bit the other night. Um, so Diego Lopez um, runs, uh, you know, he does fitness training, uh, kettlebell training. And uh, he 
has this uh, YouTube channel and like a page called Nihilift where uh, he works out and then just talks about how depressed he is and and how uh, you know pointless it all is and we're all you know just kind of working towards uh, that that nice little coffin that's at the end of the rainbow for all of us and kettlebell exercise is really it can be really unpleasant and really almost kind of painful or like there's an endurance element to it where like you have to keep like moving through this like lift motion for five minutes and it's like torture um and he doesn't sugarcoat it he's like this sucks ass i don't like this i'm not even sure why i'm doing this i'm kind of unhappy but I'm just going to keep on, just keep on pushing through this shit and just, just keep, you know, like the Kool-Aid man, like see how many walls you can run through. And that's been a big, I don't know, kind of a spiritual boon to me in a weird way, um, as well as physical, just like it sets you up for the practice of just like waking up and walking around with a certain discomfort and just being like, yeah, that dis- that discomfort is discomfort. And it's a sensation. It's not great. Wish it wasn't there, but it is. And I'm just going to keep on moving through it. Yeah. I don't know. That's 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 been a big thing for me. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, like um instead of like running from the pain, like embracing it. Yeah. I mean, so I was going to ask you this. Um you know, I think a lot about uh you know, pessimism and optimism um, and nihilism. And I think they're very different things. Uh, you know, uh, and I've, I've said this before that I am definitely a pessimist, but I'm not a nihilist. Like I believe in things. I, I have values and I have certain things that I, I do really believe in and want to fight towards. But I also really don't, think that they're gonna work out (laughs) like i just i really have have like almost accepted like yeah no it's doom we're doomed and capitalism and fascism gonna take over and you know climate change and we're fucked but i believe what i believe and i'm just gonna keep on i just have to keep pushing towards it i guess so like i don't know i i'm curious if you uh, consider yourself, uh, like, you know, where you are on the spectrum of pessimism, nihilism and all of that. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. Like, you know, <laughs> it's weird because I think I'm a lot smarter than I was when I was younger, which is how that's supposed to work. But like, you know, it wasn't like, I still believed a lot of the things that I believe in. I think I just have like a better articulation for it. And so like, Whenever I tell people about like what happened with socialism in 2016 and stuff like that, I have a story that I think other people can relate to, which is that like I'm from Texas and a lot of people think everyone down there is a fucking Republican because the votes tend to go that way, which is stupid. You know, there's gerrymandering. So there's social reasons and there's fucking voter suppression and. Most people don't look at look at Dan Crenshaw's district. It's it's ridiculous. It looks like a. It's like that. It looks like something out of like Star Fox. It's like this big, weird, like elliptical explosion shape. It's crazy, right? But then also, you know, I mean, like Senate races and gerrymandered. It's a fucking populist race and and or a popular race, and uh, Republicans still win that. And you go, why is that, right? Well, 
you know, there's other reasons. Like one of them is that nobody votes. The only people that do vote are old bastards, just old people, you know, and uh, there's all sorts of reasons why that is the way it is. But the point I'm trying to get at is that most people don't vote or or vote like if you ask them, like, you know, who are you voting for? They'd be like, well, they're, they're all fucking crooks, but I don't know. I have a specific reason I'm voting this way or that way. Right. That is, uh, I don't know, pessimism, cynicism, one, one of these words like um, there's a there's a healthy cynicism, like one where, you know, most people actually know the system is fucked and consider themselves to be a little bit uh, smart, you know, for knowing that. And, and know that there's nothing you can do. And I think if you talk to most people, even like who, you know, who vote now, like there's a very small minority of people who actually believe in like the Democrats or whatever are like yeah. you know, coming to save us. Most people, even who vote for them are like, yeah, what else are you going to do? I mean, that, that is it's um, Mark Fisher talks about it in this book, Capitalist Realism. Mm -hmm. It's realism. It's like I just read it. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. It's the entire kind of premise is, you know, like capitalism, like runs on what the fuck else you're going to do. It's not like that. It's, a, you know, part, some people worship it, but a lot of it is like, no, I, this is just the only, this is reality. And you are smart <laughs> for kind of cynical and smoking cigarettes going like, Hey man, you're going to die someday, whatever, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so that's pretty much where I was at. And then when like Occupy and Bernie and stuff like that started happening, I had kind of a change of heart, and I was like, I something might actually happen in my lifetime. And so, you know, there was like this fucking zeal and fervor around that time because it was like, you know, it was I, I felt like we actually were part of a thing that might actually turn all of that around. And then he got fucking got, and like when that happened. You know, you kind of realized, like, you know what? I, I don't know. I go back and forth about it. Sometimes I'm like, that was always going to happen. And sometimes I'm like, no, it's insane that he got that far. Sometimes people do win stuff like that. Um, yeah. The guy, AMLO in Mexico, was kind of a Bernie. Like, he kind of won after he, like, lost, like, five times in a row because they kept stealing it from him and shit. So stuff does happen, right? So it's kind of on the fence about that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, but after Bernie, really... Um, because he was kind of a gambit, you know, he would have sped things up by a hundred years if he had fucking yeah. won, and now that's not going to happen. So now I'm in this space where the first thing I did is I took an existential vacation, and I was like, I'm going to stop feeling like this, and I'm going to, you know, with a joke on Twitter that everyone says is like grill-pilled, like I'm just going to check out, and I'm just going to fuck grill, baby, like I'm just yeah. going to enjoy the summer or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like that for a while, but honestly... Where I'm at right now is uh, it's funny because when I was a young Texan, I used to really fancy myself like a big atheist, which is it, it, it philosophically kind of weird because what I would say was I'm not a nihilist or, or necessarily I'm an existentialist. So I'm like a joyful nihilist. I'm like, there's there's no end. There's no meaning in like the religious sense, but you can enjoy that like you can just enjoy your time on earth that's where i used to be and i think i'm coming back around and i'm like almost actually turning into a more secular version of what somebody who believes in a god is and i think that's what a lot of people end up doing with their life without realizing it because so, so what i'm to explain that what, what's kind of happening to me right, right now is that because we ain't getting no fucking bernie you know yeah. and uh <laughs> like nothing resembling socialism is going to happen in our lifetimes probably uh, I'm stuck in this place where I learned all this shit, though, and now I have like a fucking really 
calibrated like analysis of everything that's going on and I'm going around and I'm telling people about it and I'm like you need to wake up like this is it even though this isn't going to happen in our lifetime in order for it to happen in someone else's lifetime we all have to understand material analysis of reality and stuff like that so I'm going around and I'm talking to people about their jobs and stuff like that I'm going on podcasts and I'm like I'm a fucking evangelist right now <laughs> like I'm <laughs> right. I feel like a fucking preacher in like the old west who's going around and going like oh our souls are all damned unless we fucking get on board with this thing and it's a weird space to be in because I really believe what I'm talking about, but I also know that because there's that, that abstraction, because we're not immortal and that like we are talking about contributing to a world that will exist like after we're dead and stuff like that. It, yeah. It's it's like I don't know what to do with it sometimes. And so I spent a lot of times really like um, trying to remind myself to like relax and to not get like caught up in it and not act like it's still 2016 and there's Bernie and like you gotta drop everything and make this thing happen and I try to carry it with me now in a way that's like like um this is going to be like a long game like all this stuff is going to be with me for the rest of my life so you can like relax and put it down sometimes and pick it back up and stuff like that and um it's I don't know it's given me like an interesting it's weird because I go between describing this as like totally blackpilled shit like there's nothing you can do or like you know, enlightened, like, like where you're like aware of death and you're not afraid of it sort of stuff. Like, I, you know, we are like, it's fucked up. We are kind of on this like downward slide that we understand. And because we understand it, we're free from it because we know that there's nothing we can do about it. (laughs) And that's terrifying, like a cow going into a thresher or something like that. But also sometimes when you see like, like a cow going into a thresher, there's a glint in its eye where it's like, I don't care, you know, or like, um, I just watched the good Lord bird, the, the fictionalization of like, uh, John Brown story. And it's really good. Yeah. And it ends with them hanging him. And the best part is at the end of it, uh, no one knows what he said right before they hung him, but they say, I bet he said the thing that he said at the beginning of the story, which was, uh, what a country or uh, what a country, not <laughs> Yakov Smirnoff, what a country. Uh, <laughs> That what a beautiful country or something like that and so it's this great moment because you're like oh look he doesn't fear death you know and and that's that what is that like enlightenment or something i don't know what the spiritual term for that is but i think that's where this is all like heading like yeah. it's weird to come out of such a panic and now be like oh actually it's okay you know like it was always like this we were always going to die so yeah you know let's, let's talk about it and try to contribute to it being better you know, but let's also stop and smell the roses and fucking enjoy, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's where I'm fucking at. I mean, like, I was in a real mood after Bernie dropped out. Uh, and, you know, we were all still trapped. In, it was like April. We were trapped inside. We've been trapped inside for a month. And we were like, how long is this going to last? It's going to last a while. Um, and, yeah. you know, we were just like, I was just like, well, fuck it. What are we going to, like, you know, what are we going to do now? Like, this is really bad. Uh, and I had like a really dark outlook for most of the last year as I feel like a lot of people did, but then, you know, I was walking around in my neighborhood and I saw a flyer for, you know, Red Hook Mutual Aid, uh, you know, come, you know, hang out and volunteer and like, you know, get supplies, get basic supplies to, you know, neighbors in need. 
so I so I joined up and I met all of these people in our community who, you know, I still work with to this day because, I mean, there's still a need for that kind of stuff. Um, and this really cool thing came out of it where, you know, we were just we were getting uh, produce and and drinking water to people who needed it. Like they were kept shutting off the water in the projects and shit. And we were like scrambling to get them water. And I was, you know. I I had all this just cynicism about the electoral process and was just like, I mean, they'll screw over Bernie or anybody who tries to get in there and is like an actual threat to the system. It's never going to work out. And uh, something actually you said last winter, uh, like around the time, like around like j- January, um, you know, when, when, uh, the Republicans were contesting the election results and all of that shit. And you just, I think you sent a tweet that was just like, so if Bernie was running, they would just let the coup happen. Right. That's what would happen. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like that's a hundred percent what would have happened. Like they would have just been like, like the Democrats would have just been like, yeah, we didn't want this guy and we don't want Trump, but like this guy's going to like come for all of our money. So we need to just, you know, just, just roll over. And like, I a hundred percent saw that like would have happened, you know? And, and even when we were like knocking on doors for Bernie, uh, earlier that spring, I was just like, they're going to take this. Like there's, there's, they're going to take it away. There is no way that this guy is going to be president, but I'm still going to keep knocking, you know? And, um, when I started working for the mutual aid group, I started to really see like, oh, this is where it's at. Like the government isn't involved in this. This is communities banding together on their own and building our own resources and coming together and helping each other in a, you know, kind of like, you know, ANCOM kind of way. And I was just like, oh, that's, this is, this is what we do. You know, like if society continues to crumble and fall apart, like this is, this is how we're going to behave. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's really not a coincidence that so much of mutual aid stuff, which is anarchism happens in like a church a lot of the times because, you know, Mm -hmm. because the space is what, you know, is available to use, but it is also like, it's it's the same thing, same philosophy, you know, or at least when you know the good part of church, the 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 part that you know makes the world better before it turns into right. a crazy. I mean, well, that's the thing is like our our mutual aid group worked really heavily with Redemption Church here in Red Hook, and it's just like yeah, yeah that's that's just they're like a progressive, you know, church that uh, that is doing what a church actually should, you know, and working outside the parameters of. Uh, government and capital and just being like, what do people essentially need, you know, and, and, and yeah. trying to provide that materially for people. Yeah. Um, Churches are weird, man, because like, uh, th- when they're just doing something like that, it's like great. But like, another thing I've been thinking about a lot from that book, chasing the scream he talks about is, um, this historical anachronism that, uh, the drug war is built on, which is that, um, so the drug war, the way the the way the drug warriors tell the story, you know, the way the cops tell the story is that Western civilization was founded on certain values, and drugs came in and corrupted those values, right? Yeah. Um, and like there's this external thing from fucking elsewhere that came and fucked up the whole thing, right? But um, 
actually like the what the foundation of western civilization is you know referred to as being built on like greek and roman philosophers and stuff like that right so like they did drugs like they, they took like ergot and shit like that yeah. which is like you know the drug that lsd comes from and they tripped and stuff and it's been around it was a huge like part of oh, a huge part but it was part of like uh greek society and you know what drove it away the christian church because uh at least the argument he's kind of making his you know historically in this book or whatever is that um you know when you take psychedelic drugs you use words like you know i saw god it transcended and it was yeah. a whole experience and all this stuff and the church wanted a monopoly on that experience they wanted you to only be able to experience that through like prayer and ecstasy or whatever that's the word i was looking for the ecstasy yeah. people get that from both of those and uh that's when there became rules about you know you, you not wanting people to, to fucking do that to get it elsewhere or whatever and uh i'm thinking about that a lot too because like i i used to I go back and forth with psychedelics. I find them very daunting, you yeah. know, and I have been kind of afraid of them for the last little while. But once I looked at it that way, I realized like, oh, wait a minute, like that actually might be a good thing because um, because if you're not getting it from something like a psychedelic, you might be getting that like God experience from something else. It might be the wrong thing. And like, you know, I mean, people have accused me of being like a fucking, you know, like I was saying, like an evangelist for socialism and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think actually yeah, I mean, that might be true. I mean, there like sometimes when it's like, yeah, this is occupying like too much of a fucking space uh, for, you know, what I need to find meaning in in my fucking life. And um, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think it's the right it's good, thing. It's, I think it's a valid thing. I mean, if that's your higher power, so be it. I don't know. I think it is the, I mean, I think that's literally how communism is going to happen is that it, it needs to, we need, there's a whole, you need to pull the religion shaped peg out of it and put the fucking communism shaped peg in. Right. I mean, well, that's what they fucking happen. tried and that doesn't really, you know, like that doesn't work because people think it's, you know, it's religious persecution and, and stuff like that. Like, you know, yeah. people, I mean, people I have like all their, it. you know, their, their, uh, you know, you outlaw religion and then that's a whole fucking can of worms. It's not great. Well, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I think when um when like totalitarian governments do stuff like that, it's they're trying to force along. It's something that is in a timeline of happening naturally is the thing. Right. That's why I'm like, this is a long game. Like at some point we're talking about like the, you know, the, the human soul. Like it's going to take a long time before I think people are able to evolve out of wanting to put religion in there and then wanting to you know put communism in there and like yeah you can't just mandate it i mean that's fucking horrible right uh yeah but like <laughs> I, I do actually kind of think that is that's how this works but um but it's like it's such a long game and like um anyway but to get back to the church i mean that's just a funny thing because they're still around and I think that I never quite trust churches because that is ultimately their, their like even if they're not saying it out loud, that is their fucking agenda. Um, but well, I that, that either that's that is a church's agenda or a church is so woke that it just becomes a community center, and then you're like, okay, well then why just get rid of the religious stuff then? Yeah, you know, I don't know.
interesting spaces. But uh, but I I know what you mean though about um about doing mutual aid and stuff like that because uh, another thing I was thinking about a lot last winter was uh, all these friends that would freak out about Biden and stuff like that. Like, oh, should I vote for him or uh, you know? should uh what are we gonna do is he gonna lose to right. trump or whatever like liberal friends like people even you know who think i'm a weirdo for being into bernie and stuff like that and um i was talking to a friend of mine and he was really going through it i could see him freaking out and like you know wondering what's gonna happen with the future of the world and stuff and i was like oh i know what this motherfucker's problem is his problem is that he thinks he has control over this right which, you lost control the second that Bernie went away. Like th- this is a now. Like when it got down to Biden and Trump, your vote doesn't matter. <laughs> like this is a this is a fight. All of the dominoes have already been fucking set up. Or not, not a good metaphor, but like all all the things that were going to happen that determine who the next president was in that moment had already happened. Anything that you could personally fucking uh, affect. And so I think like good example of like the symptoms of this thing I'm describing was like people were freaking out online. Right. And, and when people freak out online during elections, they're imagining this really silly storybook kind of version of democracy that I guess you're taught in like grade school in America, which is that like, I need to tell everyone I know that we have to vote for the blue guy. And if, if I don't tell everyone then he's not going to win. And like, if I, if I see somebody else that's not telling him, I have to tell people to tell him or whatever. That is not how democracy works. It's not a materialist understanding of like even electoral politics. You know, the, the things that cause that those, those people to win or lose are not on like your little individual friend group. It's on these huge fucking uh, political and, and financial incentives and stuff like that and endorsements and media stuff. And uh, what I was trying to explain to a friend of mine was like, you are having a crisis of control. Like you're like, you're freaking out because a thing is happening that yeah. you don't have any control over. And so I told him you should go do some mutual aid because when you do that, suddenly you are have a thing in your hand and you're giving it to somebody and you can see it them and it helps them a little bit. And it like actually calms that thing yeah. in your brain that was freaking out because you do have a human need to like, you know, to, to, to do that, to engage and to make things better. I mean, we're like a communal species, you know, and uh, yeah, mutual aid is like good for the soul because you, your, you, your body does want to like make the world a better place around it. Like you are, you know, designed, for, you know, even on just like an evolutionary like survival level or whatever. So it's weird though because it's like it makes you feel good, and it almost even, even though it it's on its face such a selfless act maybe kind of considered like selfish like like uh like something that like a lot of liberals are really into mutual aid and it's like because liberals have the weird complex of like wanting to how did bo burnham put it like put yeah every fucking thing is about you bettering yourself or whatever you know um and I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting thing. How much stuff are you doing that is just that? Also, is that a bad thing? Maybe that's part of life. Maybe you need to feel good about yourself. And that's, you know, how you square that circle. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I found it really helpful, and you're you're right. It really it really scratched that itch of wanting to have feel like I had some sort of control over the world, like I could do something about this, and not just like watch it all collapse, you know, like out my window and on my phone and just like, just watch the death toll just tick up and up and up and just like, I don't know what the fuck to do. You know, um, just it, it did a lot for my mental health to just even, you know, a couple times a week, just get out there and deliver boxes. That was it. And I was just like, this is such a simple thing that I can do that, you know, is materially helping people and is kind of spiritually helping me. It's, you know, I don't know, it's it's quite simple. Um, So what do you think uh, could happen, uh, best case scenario in our lives? I feel like, you know, a lot of lefties, I feel like I, I get a little weirded out talking to them because uh, I feel like they think that there's some sort of, utopia that's like right on our doorstep or something if we could just get there and i'm just like it's not gonna that's not gonna fucking shake out in our lifetime but like i don't know what what do you think realistically happens medicare for all or like taxing some billionaires or doing something about climate change what can we actually do um man i don't know i mean i kind of tend to agree with you and think that like Socialists in America are very funny because we were, you know, kept away from knowing all this stuff on purpose. So when someone becomes radicalized, then they're like running around like a lunatic once they've, you know, put on the they live glasses and they're like, well, oh, my God, like all this capitalism's bad. Right. And all this, you know, stuff is happening in the world and yada, yada, yada. And so. I almost feel like a socialist from like a European country who might laugh at you if you're like freaking out. Like, have you read Howard Zinn and Marx and blah, blah, blah? you know? And they're like, yeah, this is like a, you know, <laughs> this is reality to us. Whereas for you, it's like a thing you just learned about, so you're fucking in a crisis about it. Like, um, I was thinking about that when I interviewed the uh, the Lucas brothers who wrote mm-hmm. uh, Judas and the Black Messiah because like. I know them like as comics, and I didn't know that they knew a lot of shit about Fred Hampton. And then I was thought yeah, about that was it, really I was like, surprising. I was like, those two, like the silly kind of stoner guys, they made the Fred Hampton movie like that. That like kind of came out of left field for me. It feels weird, right? Yeah. But then I thought about it when I was talking to them and I was like, wait a minute. I've got a lot of black people know about Fred Hampton because they just like have to. But they're like not running around like, oh, my God, I have to fucking talk about Fred Hampton all the time. Because like if that's just part of your reality, and then not this thing I'm describing with like socialists where like, um, you know, I mean, everyone makes fun of like the DSA for being like full of middle class white kids or whatever. And like it is. But like, uh, A, that's not a bad thing. Like you need a fucking you need everyone on board for, you know, socialism. And also B, um, <laughs> the thing that's funny about it is that like, yeah, I mean, it is because these people are were comfortable and then they went to college and there's like almost like a cliche about that like you know getting really woke in college or learning a lot of stuff and then becoming kind of annoying and like having this like rubber band effect that i'm describing where you're like you know now this is your whole identity right uh i think if you were really good at socialism it probably wouldn't be your whole identity like you if you were really wise about it it wouldn't um we we wouldn't need to be screaming at the top of our lungs right now so (laughs) with 
people, if you, you know, go to a DSA meeting or talk to some person, you know, in Brooklyn about like socialism or communism or whatever, and you ask them questions like this, I, I think they're just going to have a really, you know, weird fucking new skewed bizarre perspective on it where some people are like tankies and they're like we're we could literally do a revolution you know in the next yeah. 10 years or like that which maybe is crazy and then like some people are like um you know kind of just sock demi like oh maybe we'll get a little bit and then you know some people are completely cynical but like um i guess whenever i think about that i try to answer this i try to i I always just think about how much everything has changed like in my lifetime and in the last 10 years yeah. and realize that you do have a perspective problem because you are a human. And so you're, you're thinking about how uh, you're thinking about think things through the, the measure of like a human brain, um, which is limited. It's, it's actually really bizarre. If you look at history on a long timeline, so much changes within fucking 10 years that like I, I try to really keep it actually like an optimistic point of view about this because like anything could happen i don't know a fucking global pandemic happened like a year ago you yeah. know it was not on my bingo card you know um i don't know i think that anything could happen um i'm looking at like big broad tectonic plate friends and stuff like that and in social movements i'm kind of one of the people who's like yeah we're probably fucked for a long time before there's like yeah the historical precedent for like something like a revolution happening or, or even like an unviolent you know transition to to something more socialist or communist or whatever um but i, I don't know i mean fucking one thing that could happen is that we continue to raise class consciousness and it actually becomes very popular. And then at some point, because everyone is primed for something better to happen, a huge crisis happens and causes that priming to then come into action. You know, yeah. that's how things happen sometimes, you know, like, um, like, like I always tell people when comics ask me, like, how did I get, like, fucking, you know, my shit off the ground or whatever? I tell them uh, when that thing happened to me where ice came to my apartment or whatever, I uh, I was right. primed because I was I figured out that in, like, show business, uh, whatever the fuck this is, what you have to do is you have to be ready for the an opportunity that's going to come along. And then already have like your your uh, your pilot that you wrote and your fucking you know your clips and your yeah. rest kit ready to go and all this stuff and uh, and then you wait for the opportunity to come along but like you have to be primed and like that that's the definition of luck you know luck is the combination of being ready for the thing to come along and it coming along which you can't control the second part but you can control the first part right so we we could by nature of being prepared cause something a lot better than we could even imagine in the future at some point in our lives, just cause life is very long, you know, yeah. but, um, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, on a good day, I'm, t I will tell you what I'm telling you right now on a bad day. I think we're going to slide into like one of those sci-fi dystopian movies where it's fascist and there's like, yeah, people dying in the streets and then like rich people up in a huge skyscraper.
Yeah, I mean, we're like halfway there, honestly. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is that like it's hard with, you know, again, cynicism and and nihilism, Um, especially among the left. I I feel like there is this whole contingent of, I mean, you know, the quote unquote anti-woke left. And, you know, um, this this idea like doomers and and people like this who you know just they use the kind of bleak uh i don't know the 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 bleak forecast that we seem to all be perceiving that we all seem to be aware of like oh kind of seems like the ship's sinking and they use that to just be kind of bad people, you know, and like yeah. not kind <laughs> to other people and not uh, as just like an excuse to just like scoff at, you know, just uh, anybody who is weaker than them or, you know, anything relating to like consent pronouns and shit like that. They're just like, that's all fucking gay, blah, blah, blah. Like, and, yeah. you know, just write that shit off. And I, I'm like, that is one of the more like, I don't know, just off-putting uh, phenomenons. As an extremely online person, you, know, you you do run across those like really like black-pilled accounts, and you're just like, who the fuck is this person? This is like the Joker. This is like a seriously <laughs> scary person. You know? Well, I, I, those people are, I think, a lot of them are in a lot of pain, and yeah. they're projecting a lot, and then a lot of them are uh, just um, indulging like their actual privileged point of view but masking it with socialism so you can't call them a fucking white person (laughs) i mean like it's just frat boy humor but like um but you know i mean the other thing is i I, like came from those people like i know that i mean like that's the thing is like i also follow a lot of those accounts too you know like because i mean i Again, I agree with most of it. Like, well, yeah, we're fucked, but like, be nice to each other. Can we do that? Well, it's weird because I like, you know, and I'm a comedian. Like, my whole thing is to understand how all this stuff works and humor and stuff like that. And with me, like, it's funny because there's this thing about like cynical, doomery shit like that that is cool. It is cooler than being a Hufflepuff, you right? Know, than being, being, than being cringe. And being cringe, right? It's the opposite of it. And like um, artistically, I think, you know, what's great about art is you can take things like that and take them out of context and make them just for the concept of like a joke or something like that. And I, you know, I that's kind of my sense of humor is we're all going to die and shit like that. I think it's fucking cool. And all my tour posters are I tell the artists just draw the apocalypse. You know, I yeah. you know, the thing I... I've been it's fixated on as the end of the world and stuff like that. And uh, all of that stuff is fine within a certain context. But what people don't understand as like creators is like artists and shit is that uh, the context is like key. Um, like you can. Uh, <laughs> those people, I just they're so funny because like. I do really think they're indulging like, you know, like racism and sexism and stuff like that which is a thing that you can indulge in in a healthy way but they've just got to get this crazy culture war aspect to it where they're like you know they're letting the fascists take that and run with it and go yeah you should be able to do this all the time everywhere and like no i I personally think as like a comic 
one of the best, richest experiences in life is having a friend who's really cool and you guys like each other and you get to say all the horrible shit to each other. Like, right. uh, you know, whatever fucking thing would be inappropriate on like a public level, just because it would like bother other people, you know, not, not I say inappropriate. It's such a narky word. I just right. mean like hurting other people. I don't right. want to hurtful. Yeah. People. Hurtful, shitty thing but to I, say. Yeah. But I do want to do it to my friend who doesn't get hurt by it and actually twists it around. And it's very funny or whatever. Right. And like, uh, I also I think this is like a fucked up metaphor, but I think about this all the time because I, uh, I I've been outed for being into BDSM, and right. that is that is what that is is like taking the same. This is why I understand it so well. Is I fucking do it all the time, which is you know when you're when you're engaged in something like that, you're saying and doing things that in another context would be the opposite of good. You know what I yeah. mean? But you're like, no, we're gonna get artistic with this and creative and take these things you know and, and use them for like another purpose or whatever and uh and that's what that fucking <laughs> humor is it's it's just but it's like it's not like bdsm in the way that it's not understood there's no consent there's no you know rules and there's no like making sure people don't get hurt it's just this wild fucking thing where it's like no i should be able to just do whatever i want to anyone all the time and that's not how fucking people work but like you know, when you're online all the time, you don't think about people as people. You think about them, you know, just abstractly or whatever. And I think that's how that shit comes about, you know. But yeah. the, but the, the other thing about that is you're calling them doomers. And, you know, th th that is kind of a thing that you can you can fixate on. What's weird about this, you know, I, I just said, like, oh, yeah, we're creeping into fascism, right? Like, we're probably going to die and everything's going to be a Black Mirror episode or whatever. But, like, that is also a relative way of looking at that because, you know, it, the thing is going to go down and then up and then down and then up on this big curvy yeah. fucking timeline forever. And so, I mean, it's fun to think about how we are going to descend into like the Duke Nukem world or whatever in a yeah. couple of decades. But also what's that is going to cause if we know our fucking marks, you know, we know our historical materialism, that's probably going to cause a crisis. That's then going to cause people to come back together and then fucking push it in the other direction. And then eventually this all might resolve itself or whatever. So like, you know, you could focus on that if you wanted to, there's no real point in focusing on any of it. You can't, yeah, it's hard. It I don't know. It's hard to control. And it's just, I mean, you're, you're right. It, it, there are, you know, dark periods and lighter periods and throughout human civilization uh pending anything that's just like a flat out end end you know like a, a nuclear <laughs> that's, that's nuclear holocaust which I, yeah. I have not worked i have not ruled out you know and then like i'm low-key surprises something like that hasn't actually already happened you know uh but like i don't know like there it seems sometimes that there is this like you get into like a Mad Max or Cormac McCarthy kind of scenario in your head and you're like, there's no coming back from that. Like we're just like, that's just the end. And it's just like the few dwindling people left who are just like fighting over their resources until they're done and there's nothing to build towards. And like, you know, I don't know, like it, it, I get myself into like real dark corridors, you know, of the future sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the, 
the climate element in all of this is actually really alarming. <laughs> it's like yeah, there's like, I mean, yeah, there's that. It's just like thing. oh, literally, like in you know twenty years. We might not have crops like just nothing will fucking grow. And then what? You know, we do need food, you know, so like it just I don't know what to, I don't know. Like in that scenario, just what what do you do? Yeah, you fucking I mean, you just grill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> grill, you know, fish or something because there's no meat anymore or whatever right i don't know man i mean you can go down a real dark corridor thinking about that shit and there is nothing you can do about it yeah i mean again like that's the thing that like i've i've had to just come to accept it just like ain't shit i can do about it i'm gonna get up in the morning i'm gonna exercise i'm gonna go to work i'm just gonna like control the things that i can control and just like live with that low hum of pain and doom that's just in me and that's it yeah you know um, you talked kind of recently on an episode of, uh, why you mad the, the, the Corey Spencer episode about, uh, mental health stuff. And you said something that I thought was really interesting when it comes to like being kind of wary about mental health status and, um, you know, credibility basically. Um, and I've, I've thought about this too, just like as a sort of publicly, I don't know, depressed crazy person uh, you know like self-described you know uh mentally unwell person sometimes i worry that my that that people perceive me as that and just write off everything else that i might have to say and i'm and you know what i mean like yeah that like my views on other things that i don't think really weigh into my mental illness might get written off because like, oh, like I'm just like some guy with depression. Of course, I'm into socialism. I'm like, those don't have anything to do with each other necessarily. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why, but like wh- I started off in life assuming everyone was mentally ill. Everyone was aware that they were kind of mentally ill and that it, it was something that we have a conversation about and uh and everything's chill but i think i came to understand especially being in comedy and being around a lot more people who are doing like you know what i think is just coded conservatism essentially um i think a lot of millennials have like these people we're talking about edgelords and stuff like that have conservative values and are just masking them as like oh i'm a socialist or whatever but it's it's it's, the the intuition is coming from they are their parents children you know um and so (laughs) It didn't occur to me until I was, you know, really deep in this world and also fighting with fucking fascists, which, which catalyzes everything in your life, uh, that a lot of people still are like very old school about mental health. And like, you know, men are like embarrassed to admit they go to a therapist or something because yeah. it's like, I don't there's nothing wrong with me. What, I don't need a shrink. Those are for crazy people. You know, the old, right. old, old timey stereotypes about masculinity and stuff like that. Um, I didn't think that people still thought of mental health as like a uh, like a disease that makes you different from most people. Right. But you know what? I was a psychology major in college, so I probably have a pretty healthy foundation that other people don't. I just am kind of baffled by it because like I thought it was part of the culture. Like everyone understood that. Um, so for that reason, I always thought mental health was fascinating. I thought psychology was fascinating. And I used to um well i still do i was gonna say i used to like like and fetishize like a lot of like mentally ill people but like um 
I still do. Like one of my favorite musicians is uh, Titus Andronicus, Patrick Stickles. He lives here in Brooklyn. He writes these fucking big, long concept albums. And uh, one of them was about um, manic depression, you know, bipolar disorder. Yeah. And um, and he talks a lot about like neurodiversity and stuff like that. And I just think that's cool. I'm like, yeah, I've, a lot of people have that. I have a little bit of it, I think. And like, I can understand what this person is describing. And um, and it, like, I, it, it's a very popular album. So clearly people understand what this guy is talking about. And um, I think that I see it the way he sees it because he uses the word neurodiversity, which is a way of, um, that, that actually came out of like auth, like autism yeah activism, I, I talked with Where, anders about this yeah and yeah. like uh i i have autistic people in my family and stuff like that and they are people like that they, they don't strike me as someone with a disease they strike me as someone who is a type just a, a type of person kind of a weirdo but everyone's a weirdo it's all relative you know so so that's kind of where i was living and i was kind of jamming on it and like creatively like with stuff i was making i was talking about it a lot in my stand-up and stuff like that and i had kind of a, a a problem what happened eventually though is because you know i have these fucking this stuff going on with like these you know fascist and fascist adjacent fucking media people and their annoying fans and all this stuff is uh because they see it as there's something wrong with you i noticed that because i was representing that so hard they then were like using it to tell people like, Oh, don't take this person seriously. He's mentally ill. And I was like, I'm the person who told you that, like, why yeah. you, know, you got that information from me. That doesn't make any fucking sense, but it kind of got, got me to rethinking things. And I don't think there's any reason to hide anything about like, you know, my mental health or anything, but it, I just became kind of fascinated with the way it worked because, you know, one thing that happened is that I had a big falling out with the, you know, people who used to be, friends of mine were one or two and um when i was like fighting with them over something when i was in a conflict with like a person that person was like you need to go I'll, i'm gonna take you to the fucking uh you know urgent care psychiatric ward or whatever and i realized like oh this is like you're like trying to commit me like this is and like and it's not because you're concerned about my mental health otherwise you wouldn't be like right doing you know, all this evil shit to me online and stuff like that it's because this is how you this is, this is part of the you know way that this institution has functioned is like this is you get rid of people by yeah, putting them in it can be weaponized them, yeah you take them out of society and uh and that also kind of reflects how mental health is also socially defined in a lot of ways or whatever so like it used to be on some level you know like an insane asylum was like a ship of fools. You know what a ship of fools is? No. You've heard of that? It's crazy. What's what they used to do when they had, uh, you know, crazy people like schizophrenic or whatever, something we probably couldn't even diagnose, you know, you know, certified, like you need to be in a, yeah. a home or whatever person, uh, what they used to do in like, I guess medieval times or whatever the fuck this is from in history, put them all on a ship and then just send the ship <laughs> off to sea. And, uh, and I, you know, it's hilarious. Cause like, what if you're like a pirate and then you came onto the ship, you'd be like, what the fuck is happening? Here? You right. know? Um, so, you know, but like, that's how they solved that problem because you like what you didn't know what to do with these fucking people. So you just 
conveniently stitched them out of your little society. Right. And I think that because also what um, Giuliani did to all the homeless people in the nineties. Well, yeah, put them on and, a bus and just send them. They out. just fucking take. I mean, homeless. A lot of homeless people are mentally ill. That's, yeah. The reason they're a lot of them are around and are homeless is because Reagan fucking you know undid all the mental health services in this country, and so these people who normally would be in a nicer ship of fools, like a fucking uh, you know an, an asylum or a, uh, whatever you want to call it, whatever the sanitized right. version of it is, um, those people are just on the fucking street now, which is not a solution to that either, right? Um, but I guess I was I was thinking of all that because I I realized that was happening to me while it was happening. I realized why people were saying uh, suddenly they were like, "Oh, we're very concerned about you and all this stuff." And I, you know, I told one of my friends I was like, "Oh, I am like kind of mentally ill. Like I am kind of having a thing right now, but I still can tell what you're doing." And uh, also, I already had like a therapist and stuff, and it yeah. was like, "Why am I not talking to my therapist who I trust about this? Why am I talking to the person that I am like in the conflict with?" And I just realized like the weaponization and it was very social. It was like that person wanting to show everyone else like this person who disagrees with me doesn't actually disagree with me. They just have a disease that is making them do that. And that is not how mental health works like at all, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess I started to be a little bit more careful about that sort of thing. Uh, just because when I do talk about it, I want to talk about it directly and I, I want to do it in a way that people can't use against me because you know i mean when those people will use something like that against a person like me is when i'm going to be at my weakest and right. that's dangerous and the only reason it's dangerous is because i'm very honest and you know i consider art to be an endeavor where like you know you're 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 trying to sh fucking rip his, your rib cage open and show everyone the guts and stuff and like yeah. show as much of you as possible. Right. Um, so that's just goes along with it. And I don't know exactly how to solve the problem, but I mean, I don't know. This is beyond, this is bigger than me, you know, yeah. and it's insane. Like what, what, what people think mental health is. Um, I have a friend, P.E. Moskowitz, who got canceled for talking about ADD and ADHD and how it's it's like, you know, a lot of it is socially defined. It is uh, I'm not saying it's not a real thing or whatever, but a, but like a lot of stuff that's in the DSM is in there because there's no such thing as a normal person. There's no such thing as a healthy. There's no standard. There would be no way of knowing what normal is. What we use to define normal is whether you are functioning right. as a worker. Right. Um, and so the fact that a million bazillion kids are, you know, taking meth essentially <laughs> is, uh, you know, you could make an argument that maybe that has more to do with capitalism than it does with, uh, something's wrong with these kids, you know? Um, and so I think about that stuff a lot because the, the, the impulse that people have to like, to define certain things as uh this like made up kind of thing we have where it's like oh a doctor said that you have a disease like it's syphilis or something and then there's right. like a fucking cure for it is a uh, disorder yeah yeah it's it's like it's it's not the, a good way the language it, yeah. around it is a little strange and outdated and you know like i even like i've talked to my therapist about about that and they'll acknowledge it themselves like people currently in the field are like I was talking to her about um, 
borderline personality disorder. And she was like, it's a horrible term. It's a really bad term because like what it means is like you're on the border of psychopathy, you know, and that's not like that's just kind of a really shitty stigmatizing thing to label these people with, you know, like yeah. that, that like, oh, so I'm just like a like almost a fucking psycho. Like, you know, that's not a nice thing to hear about yourself, you know, like that's that sucks. That makes you feel shitty, you know, um, and you know, like the way my. Uh, ADHD kind of pans out with emotional dysregulation. It has a lot of overlap with borderline. I'm I'm not borderline, but I I have some of those tendencies. And you know to to be uh you know thought of in that in that in, on those terms of like uh you're borderline psycho crazy like that's that sucks man. Like I don't I don't want to be. You know, I don't want to be lumped in with that. That's a it's a crazy term. Yeah. Borderline. Borderline. <laughs> it's really bad. And like, yeah. you know, they could just change it, but I don't know. I, I mean, they probably will eventually. I don't know. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about a little bit was uh, parasocial relationships. Um, I feel like you, you've talked about this a lot. I just re-listened to your episode uh, about Pump Up the Volume with uh, with Gabe Pacheco. Um, oh, cool, yeah. Which was, that was a great episode. He's coming on the show next week. Um, Ooh. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, your, your thoughts about, like, that movie, Pump Up the Volume, and... Um, you know, uh, I, I guess the more recent Joker, the king of comedy, you know, and and then looking at that in terms of being kind of a public figure as you are and um, and also, you know, being at this other end of a rabid fan base that comes at you, you know, that, that have this sort of parasocial relationship, I think in their heads, you know, with, uh, a particular podcast that they think is like, these are my friends and I'm going to defend them into this person. And, you know, it just, yeah. it all gets real weird and people get real fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. I, I think the Joker is a great movie because it's very timely mm -hmm. and it's about a real thing that is happening to people as we are further and further alienated in the world we're living in right now in our little box apartments with our fucking food boxes and shit. And um, I, I I was just talking about this with somebody because something funny happened to me a while back. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking around drunk in Manhattan after, uh, after Luis's show Um and I, it was so weird. It was like four in the morning. So the bars should have been closed, but I came upon a bar on a very busy intersection too. Uh, like not out of the way. Like cops could have easily yeah. showed up. It was so weird. And it was lit the fuck up with like neon and stuff. And um, I think it was because the bartender was British and maybe he didn't know how late, you know, when you're supposed to call last call or something weird was going on. Uh, but it was all outside. There was like a very small inside area. And then this guy was just tending bar and like serving drinks to everyone outside. And I walked up on it and I was like, what's going on here? And somebody went, Hey, Jake Flores. And I was like, okay, like this could go either way. And, right. uh, and then I recognized the guy cause I had met him once before and he was like, Hey man, what's up? Let me buy you a drink. Yada, yada, yada. And I sat down and then he, I started talking to him and he was like, he told me 
I used to listen to your podcast and I was like, okay. And he was like, no, 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 no. I didn't stop listening to your podcast. I stopped listening to all podcasts. And I was like, yeah, sure. I get it. Like why, but why? Like, what? tell me about it. And then he started describing this thing and he was like, well, you know, I feel like when I listen to podcasts, sometimes I'm tricking myself into thinking I'm learning stuff, but I'm actually just getting entertainment. And then also, that I feel like I'm kind of friends with people I've never met. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's like figuring it out like in real time, you know? Yeah. And I told him like about parasocial relationships and, and the Joker and everything. And I was like, yeah, no, I I get it. Like, good for you. I just had this weird moment where I was like, I'm glad this guy figured this out. But also. I do feel like a death dealer right now, you know, like on sometimes I think. Feel, I, I feel like um, everything you just described about my insane situation with having like a cool fan base and then having like a fucking weird other one that is hates me and yeah. they're fighting with all the time. I feel like I am almost in like a cyberpunk comic book or something like that where I'm like the, the, we're selling like a there's this thing in, in, in uh, sci-fi where every once in a while there's like a fictional drug, you know, in like the future or whatever. Yeah, those are my I, favorite. I love, I love sci-fi drugs. Those are the coolest. Yeah, it's fucking great. And I'm like, this is that. Like, what we figured out how to sell this parasocial thing. And it's like, it's new. So people don't know what to do with it. And you've got people who are like, you know, really strung out on it in a bad way. And yeah. are, it's driving them crazy and stuff like that. And, uh... And I feel a little bit guilty sometimes because I know how real that is because like before I, you know, really got my show off the ground or either of my shows, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I got hooked on them in that way. And so when I was making the reason I'm good at making podcasts is because I know you how much of that hours and hours and hours of them. Yeah. And I know like, uh, what people like about them mm -hmm. and it's not sometimes when i'm like collaborating with someone and they're like oh we have to you know really really research this thing or like do it extra good or whatever sometimes i have to stop and be like that is good like our show should be good that is not why people pay us money every month you, we have to be funny like we have to yeah. you be the friend in your head because that is what people are getting hooked on and on some level, sometimes I feel a little bad about it because I'm like, it can be a situation where you're like, yeah, like that guy was describing like, oh, I'm tricking myself into thinking I'm becoming a socialist, but I'm actually just like listening to fucking three guys dick around or whatever. That can happen. And, you know, but then on the other hand, I mean, it's, you know, how much of it is my responsibility to like, like how people use the thing I sure. make. What I try to do is tell people this. I'm like, you should think about this while you're listening to my show. And on the show, I'll go like, don't mistake this for activism. Like, you also you should go out and do a thing. Like, yeah. none of this. Means well, I mean, anything. yeah, I think you're doing the right thing. You're you're issuing a disclaimer. You know that like this isn't actual activism. This isn't actually reading a fucking book. You should maybe just you know you you recommend the book, um, which well, is a good thing to do. But I mean, you know, like, like I'm bad at reading books, but. But also sometimes people fucking can't read books because they don't have the time. And then doing I've learned a lot of stuff from podcasts. Yeah. Like it's weird. It's I learn stuff. I learn shit from podcasts and like I'm a lot like you. Like I it's really hard for me to like read an actual paper book. Audiobooks are like my thing. 
you know, yeah, and, and like I can digest an entire audiobook in, you know, just two days flat, just listen to the, the whole thing the entire way through. Like I did that with uh, Confederacy of Dunces a couple months ago, um, actually at your behest uh, or not, you know, your behest, your recommendation on the show. Oh, like, right, 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 I'd yeah. heard about it and was just like, yeah, I'm going to listen to, you know, like I- I'm, I'm going to get around to that book eventually. I always saw it on people's bookshelves and I was like, you know what? Jake says it's a good book. I'm just going to do it. So you like uh, it? Yeah, it was, it was all right. It was pretty good. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, it's funny and weird. And like, I, I didn't I went into it not quite knowing what to expect, you know, and um, I, I'm kind of glad that I did because I got to just like sort of let the story unfold that way. Do you know yeah. about the author and everything? Yeah, he, he was I mean, he was kind of that guy, right? He was kind of yeah. like the main <laughs> character, like he was just this like crazy shut in, like couldn't do anything. You know, yeah, and he killed himself. He killed himself, yeah. Sad. Yeah, his mom published the book. It's crazy. I mean, it won a Pulitzer. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I think it really, like, again, there's only so much that you can do about it as a media producer. And, you know. Well, also, what I'm describing is, like, innate to all entertainment. So, yeah. like, if you were to if you're to look at this extremely stringently, you might say, well, then it's just irresponsible to make entertainment. And that's not how I feel at all. So like, right. Like there's like crazy people are going to happen. Like, I mean, like David Letterman had a stalker. He's not a fucking podcaster, you know, like he, like it was just some like crazy lady who like saw him on the TV and thought that she was, he was talking to her and like that they were in love and like they just, she just like, I mean, she was full on like, like mentally unwell in like a real serious way. But you know, it's, I don't know, it, you can really only control people's reaction to that so much, but also, I mean, I think just in the tone that you're putting out in the show, I think most people hopefully understand the kind of person you are and, and, you know, how you would expect them to conduct themselves. You know, like, I don't see fans of your show doing anything you know crazy like no. har- harassing I mean, doxing people and shit like that like they don't do that shit no i my fans are very sweet and sincere and they're dorks and like i yeah. think they're really cool people and i think they're engaging with our show in a really good way uh i guess the only thing that i would worry about with my own fans is like yeah whether you know some of them are like just doing the thing where it's like yeah you don't actually go organize or whatever but also like i could be wrong about that like that's like not an urgent issue right, like but maybe, i mean maybe... i think it also like it inspires people jake to like do to i think for every person who maybe just listens to the show and like thinks that that's activism or whatever and doesn't actually do any organizing there're probably two or three people who listen to the show and they're like yeah you know what i'm going to find a mutual aid group yeah you know what i'm yeah. going to sign up for this candidate and knock on doors you know, for, I, for this I, Congress I, person. I argue with podcasters about this all the time because podcasters by nature of being like a punchline and being like a little bit embarrassed about their own success often say this thing where they're like, you know, oh, we're not really doing anything or whatever. And yeah. I yeah. disagree. Um, I, you know, I think it's healthy to keep yourself in check like that. But I, I think that uh, podcasting is, is democratized media. And so it's actually... You know, if you wanted to be like, like, like a big ML about it, we talked about this when we talked with uh, Brett O'Shea about what is to be done the Lenin pamphlet. But he, you know, he talked about media back then and like how to how to do this and how to get the right information out there and stuff. And I think like, no, actually, podcasting is pretty good for that. It's, it's a net good, especially in yeah. like socialism and shit like that. Um, 
I yeah, I don't feel that bad about it. I I, I think as far as for what I'm creating, uh, you know, I, I, I'm fascinated by it, but I I feel good about what I'm doing with my shit in the world. Uh, but what's going on on the other side of the coin with people who are, you know, activating people in a reactionary way is yeah. like, you know, I mean, look, podcasting is technology. It's a tool. It, it itself is a neutral. It can be used for right. good or evil or whatever. And we're seeing it kind of used for good in one way and evil in another. And like, uh, that shit is scary. Like, I mean, it is fucked up you know it's weird man i mean i have a great life but like sometimes i think i look at it and go okay if i had like a fucking monkey's paw or whatever or like a genie would i go back to having a day job but also not having a group of people that want to kill me at all times constantly right. invading my privacy and like you know trying to fuck with my head or whatever i don't know yeah. <laughs> i don't know because i also have you know I'm also like, this is a literal byproduct of living like my ideal life that is very fulfilling and that makes me, you know, happy on this earth yeah. or whatever. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> but also, it's it's kind of like mass shooters. Like, um, you know, these guys keep going crazy and uh, getting really pissed off and buying guns and going and killing people in public. It's just the insane thing that keeps happening in yeah. America. And when it happens, um, the only like solution that really kind of tracks and has makes any sense is people say, like, we got to get, you know, got to make sure they can't get their hands on these guns, which is, um, you know, fine. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of agnostic on the gun thing, honestly. Like, uh, I think it's kind of a lib issue. And like, I think guns are kind of cool. Yeah. Like, uh, same. <laughs> um but you know and also at some point you might fucking need one and and you know I mean, knows, but... yeah i've seriously thought about it in the last year or so i mean not gonna <laughs> lie yeah um but but it, either way that argument is like a band-aid though because um no one's asking the question like why are these guys doing this to begin with yeah. and the reason for that is that it's not good politics because that is a huge existential question this stuff is a byproduct of all of this Joker we live in a society shit. And it's, I think, you know, the, the, if I had to answer why it's happening, if I had to take a stab, I'd use a very vague term. I'd say alienation. You know, yeah. something under the umbrella term of alienation is causing all this crazy shit to happen. And uh, that shit doesn't get solved until society gets solved. Like it yeah. is. It's coming from the crust, you know? So that's the same thing that's going on with these fucking psycho, like, Reddit people and shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like I, I, they terrify me. I think they're fucking horrible, but also they look like they're in a lot of pain. And also, if you were to ask me what to do about it, I'd tell you, you need to literally solve, like, like all of society before you've got this problem where people are, People are turning like hateful, you know, like, yeah, this. well, it's like the I mean, it's kind of the same thing you were talking about with like the addiction issue. You know, there is usually an underlying element of trauma or pain or depression or something. And there's this thing in the sobriety community, uh, I think, along among a lot of like 12 step uh, programs called a dry drunk, which is somebody who yeah. stops drinking, but they don't work on their underlying mental 
you know, conditions, what's happening with them spiritually, mentally. And they're just assholes. <laughs> they're just, they, all that happens is now you're just always the angry dick and you're never the like kind of, you know, like you used to at least be kind of like a fun drunk for a couple hours a day and then it would turn nasty. But like now you're just a dick all the time, you know, and that's a, a dry drunk, um, yeah. you know, and, and there's that famous experiment with the, the rats and the cocaine and they yeah. gave rats, you know, like a sense of community and like shit to do and like had a family and, and they, you know, had a little lever that they could press for the cocaine and they could take it anytime. And then there were other rats that were isolated and kind of fucked up and they were just like, they would just OD on the shit, you know, because they had nothing else. And that's usually what the underlying uh, situation is. But like, again, it's, it's a double edged sword with the internet and isolation and alienation uh, because, you know, Everybody who has been podcasting over the last year as we were all shut in our homes, um, they, I think, gave a lot to people in in, in ways that I, I, I don't know. And maybe you know this a little bit as a, a podcast fan who became a podcast maker. Um, it just, the journey that I went on of, of like, especially over the last year, uh, I was talking about it with like fitness and like, you know, like the Diego thing with kettlebells and, and all of that stuff. And the amount of like kind of mental and spiritual lift that that gave me, so to speak, uh, was huge. And to now where it's now to where like, I feel like I owe the guy something and like, I, I like go to the mat for him, you know, and like, and, and there's this like real, uh, I don't know, almost, I don't know. I catch myself in this, you know, because I, I catch myself doing this with, with a lot of podcasters who like, I think that I'm their friend. And like, I, I do this a lot of the time too, where I'm just like, yeah, I should send this meme to this uh, podcaster who like, doesn't really know me, you know, cause I, they, I heard them talking about it on their show, you know? Yeah. And but My it's because are full of that. Yeah. You were just having a conversation with me you know, that's happening in your head. And like, and All right, whatever. I mean, and like, I always like my biggest dread is that I am, you know, burdening somebody or that I'm being the guy who's like too much or I'm like, you know, like the Jim Carrey, like cable guy, you know? Um, but it comes, I think from a good place where, uh, it's, what I've gotten from that relationship that I have, you know, such as it is a one-sided conversation relationship is really huge and gives a lot, you know, like you hear people talk about how podcasts really like brighten their day and make their work lives bearable and all of this stuff, you know, and, and the level of, I don't know, just like gratitude and love that people have for uh, the podcasts that they're really into is is like really intense. And I think can, yeah, be wielded for for good or for evil. And, you know, I, I just hope that uh, I don't know that that people podcasting understand that, like, you know, yeah, your fan base you know, they they love you and they're delicate and you do have some sort of weird power and sway over them and they kind of hang on your words in a weird way. 
uh, and try and, you know, use that responsibly, I guess. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, most podcasters are going to sort of put up a false humility about that and go like, oh, I don't actually have that much power. I'm not, you know, I'm a joke. I'm just a whatever. Um, it looks like humility when people do it, but I think what they're actually doing is freaking out about this responsibility that you're describing, yeah. which is uh, scary and weird and no one wants to, you know, confront it. Um, I don't know. I, I keep... Uh, <laughs> I have a weird little sigil thing that a friend of mine bought at a an occult shop and gave to me that's supposed to ward off demons uh, because I've I think what they were trying to say to me is that I look like I have a horde of demons following me. <laughs> it's a chaotic, you know, weird mob at all times. And it's a weird thing to deal with. And uh, I don't really think it'll ever end. And I... It just fucking makes my brain go go in circles to think about it. And I I guess I wonder, though, if we're just in a time when we're going to look back on this in 10 or 20 years and have identified all this stuff and then go, wow, back in 2021, they had no idea what they were actually participating in. We haven't developed the language for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I think that there's going to be like a movie about all this and, it, you know, it's, or a book or something. And it tells the story of like, yeah, with the first people that were on the frontier of this weird new thing. And it was just wildly, you know, chaotic and irresponsible and all this stuff. Um, or maybe not. Maybe just everything continues to to get weirder and no one's aware of it. I don't, I don't fucking know, but I think I'm aware of it. I mean, I, I, this parasocial thing occurred to me, you know, a couple years ago and then I started reading about it and then I started to, to notice it. I noticed other people noticing it. And I was like, this is a hundred percent reality. <laughs> this is like really yeah. happening. You know? I mean, like that was my experience, like listening to you talk about it on your show too. And like, I'd been listening, like I'd been listening to pod damn America. And then I like, uh, you know, from there started listening to, uh, why you mad. And, um, it, it was funny just like listening to you, like talk about like, Oh yeah, there's this thing that people get with podcasts hosts and it's this parasocial relationship and this, this weird phenomenon. And I was like, yeah, yeah. My, my friend Jake Flores really like <laughs> understands this thing that, you know, that like he's, he's, he's my best friend and he's in my head all the time. And like, and I was just like, well, stop what are you doing? You know? And like, so it, it, it was this weird kind of meta, I don't know, realization, I guess. Um, you yeah, know, and, and at the same though. time, like making a podcast myself and just being like, am I screaming into the void? Like, where are my fucking fans who are like, you know, DMing me and like stuff like that too. It's just, it's just been like a weird, I don't know. Um, experience. It's like a honeycomb, like it keeps going and going like a fractal, like you'll have that happen to you. And then some fan of yours will start a podcast and then they'll also be like, and on some level, what's really funny about it is that it breaks apart the paradigm that we used to live in, which is that creators are these huge, important, rich, famous people and that the audience is down below. And right. There's almost this like royalty aspect to it. 
Yeah, and it's like now sometimes people with podcasts will go like, "Are we all just like having an elaborate like way to talk to each other?" And the answer is like, "Yeah, low key, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah." But I mean, that's cool though because this is a conversation that also a bunch of other people get to listen to, and maybe they'll get something out of. And you know, maybe this is just what the future is going to be like: is we all just amplify stuff that we think is interesting in this really specific way. And yeah, well, we I mean, just people are more accessible, and if you live in New York. You know, and you like listen to New York based podcasts and you go out and you're just like, oh, there's Micah Brucey. I listen to his podcast. I'm going to go say hi to him, you know, because like they're just right there and they're just like people, you know, and it, there's not they're not they don't have a fucking entourage. It's not like they're like some like famous person. They're just some guy, you know. Yeah. Or lady. I don't I don't want to be like perceived as a famous person. However, I will tell you that I am a comic and I do have, you know, I don't know, flaws or sensibilities or whatever. And it, it does feel really good so like i do brag about it on a level uh that I, I try to make healthy but like i mean i was at a bar the other night and i literally the bartender just told me hey that person over there said they listen to your podcast and they want to buy you a drink and they Isn't just that gave great? me a that's, a, that's great that rules it was that's fucking cool. fantastic it was the best thing that's ever happened to me you know yeah so i mean that would I, that would be the biggest honor if somebody would say like you know that i listened to your podcast and i started you know my own podcast you know as long as it doesn't suck it better not suck to my listeners if you start a podcast inspired by this one one day i would be so honored better be good better yeah. not disappoint papa i mean there's all sorts of territory we can take this conversation something i think about with this a lot is that like in my industry you know and comedians are very uh brainwashed capitalistically by like um scarcity like the idea yeah. of scarcity one thing that freaks comics out is uh that there are so many podcasts so it makes you feel like well, why would i make one because the point yeah. of making something in a comedian's mind is to stand out right and to beat everyone and be the only thing in that category and uh i think they're really robbing themselves of what actually is good about this which is this thing we're describing where like it's just very humanistic and like i don't know i mean maybe you won't become mark Marin wtf or whatever but like you will have ten thousand people that are in a community with you that like what you do and support you and you know that's fucking great what do you yeah why would you why would you why would you not want that and and want to be like on a tv show that people hate or something like you're yeah. crazy I think it's cool. I'm an apologist. I know everyone makes fun of podcasts. Whatever. And stuff. Yeah, I mean, I make fun of podcasts too, but it's just like you know, it's it's like it's fine. Whatever. It's silly. Like don't we don't need to take it so seriously. Um, I wanted to get to one more topic uh, while I still have you here. You got you got time for one more topic? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, masculinity. It's a prison, sure. as you've said, and I think that that's a good way of putting it. Uh, it's it it. You know, obviously, um, you know, uh, I did not invent that uh, term. You I, didn't invent that. Who, who invented no, that? Uh, I think it's just a thing. It's just I don't a know thing. Who, well, who said it first? Anonymous. My friend Katie Rose Leon says it a lot. Uh, she's like calling out. I mean, and, uh, you know, on that note, like, obviously, you know, we live in a very patriarchal society and, and, and women and, you know, non-binary folks have it uh, much worse than us dudes but i and and like i want to have people on the show who 
speak to those experiences. But the only experience that I can speak to personally and that I can really like dig into is that of, you know, just like a straight bro growing up in America. And and, and it also kind of sucks in a lot of ways. Um, so I was wondering uh, if you could just sort of share some of your thoughts on, you know, just modern masculinity and, and, and what's going on with it and why it sucks ass. It's fucked up, man. It's bad. I think it's part of the ass shooter Joker thing. Absolutely. Sure. Masculinity is so violent and it's, and I feel, um, often like, like I'm less of a man, the less violent that I act or something like that, or like the less prepared for violence I am. It's really bad. Like, and I, I catch myself having those thoughts and I'm just like, this is not who I want to be. You know, like I'm not a fucking fighting dude. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, man. Um, God, I, it, it's, it's, it's like, going back to the same tools I use to pick apart everything, you know, like by saying it's socially defined, but it is, um, I, I'm kind of fascinated by what's happening right now with, uh, zoomers and stuff being a younger generation that than us, that's living on our shoulders and like, um, completely destroying the concept of gender. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's, there's so many non-binary zoomers and and like it's like a thing that a few years ago you might have not even heard of and these people are just like no the whole entire fucking concept is bullshit and i am so jealous of them and i hope the world continue. this is you know honestly it's a good note to end on because this is something i'm very optimistic about mm. i think that uh the constraints that they used to control us that are you know built into gender roles and all that patriarchy and all that bullshit are powerless in the face of the internet because the internet does a thing where it allows people to communicate with each other anonymously, which can be bad, yeah. uh, can, you know, be the circuit through which a lot of evil energy gets forced, but also right. it's, uh, it's great because before this, where I guess fucking forever, there was normalcy. There was like heteronormativity and that sort of thing. And there was a violent, like, uh, upholding of it and policing. And it was probably terrifying to be a person for most of humans on this planet because anyone that deviated from it, I mean, you know how it is to be a guy. Like I remember when I was a kid, I was growing up, there would just be like a guy in my neighborhood would be like, you're not gay, are you motherfucker? And then you, yeah. you have to say, no, I am not. No, fuck no. Fuck, I would kill a guy if he was gay or whatever. And like, you know, you, everyone's running around policing each other like that. And, and you know, the, that like, can you imagine if you were, that would probably fucking suck. Cause you would have to lie and then fit in and all this yeah. stuff. And, uh, I, I remember thinking about this early on in my life and could barely even get my head around it. But like one of the first big things that really got me on the road to where I am now is like there's this punk band in Houston called 30 Foot Fall who are just fucking great. The guy Butch from the band is like a bike messenger and like they play they're like a city's beloved band. Like they play a, a show every year 
on uh, Christmas Eve, I think, or Christmas or something like that. And it's like the entire scene comes out and stuff, yada, yada, yada. And, and uh, it's just these fucking cool punk kids that lived, you know, in, in Houston and, and like in the city and shit. And, you know, we're just just, you, you know, what punk is like they're like legitimately part of a community and not a yeah. manufactured fucking thing from a hot topic or whatever. And um his great song where the breakdown of it, the bridge or whatever, I don't know, music. Uh, it's, I think it's called Kirk Cameron Sings the Blues. They were also like really funny. Um, but he's just saying, I don't want to be a man. I don't want to be a man. So many things I'm supposed to be. They've got nothing to do with me. And what, you know, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't want to be a man. Like, what is this guy saying? He wants to be a woman. And then I thought about it more and I was like, no, 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 no. Okay. He's saying, I don't want to be this thing that is like thrust upon you, you know, yeah. that you're, it comes with all these fucking rules and shit. And I remember thinking like, that's really fucking cool. No one ever dares to like take that fucking, you know, back from people and go, no, I'm going to define who I am. And there's parts of this that are horrible. And, you know, people use the word outdated and it's like, yeah, I mean, this doesn't mean even a good word for it. Cause it's not like it was good when that shit was happening to begin with, maybe on some level it, you know, helped you survive or something like that. But, um, but I think it's, uh, I, I have always admired punks for that reason. I know a lot of times people say, you know, punk, it's like, that's not activism either. It's just getting drunk and playing music or whatever. But like, this part of it, you know, yeah. but this is, we're talking about culture here, you know, and like, Culture is the weapon with which you dismantle stuff like patriarchy and, and homophobia and stuff like that. And I, I mean, it fucking works. And uh, you can see it because we're living in a world where 20 years ago you could get, you know, somebody could get seriously fucked up for being, you know, gay or trans or whatever, yeah. or some, some deviation that is extremely normal now, you know, and that didn't happen on accident. So, like, yeah, um, I mean, just in our lifetimes, like the, the, um, the leaps and bounds that the, you know, just the LGBT, like the, the overarching queer community is, has, has made. I mean, and obviously there's still work to be done, but like it, it like, I mean, it's day and night, like just in terms of like what's acceptable to even uh, you know, say and what, what's, what's, you know, and treat people and, and how to, you know, like who you're, you know, targeting with this kind of shit. Yeah. And the other thing that's going on with this stuff is like, this is why I started talking about punks, because like, um, so obviously, like, what is the male gender role? Like, it's this thing that's gone through all these fucking changes and it has yeah. evolved to uh, to make society fit together and to make you be a stupid worker bee and think that you're a, a you know a strong person for like I went out and made my money and then I go home and fuck my wife and I hit a guy and you get drunk and smoke a cigar and all this dumb shit, right? Um, but you know that's a grift and it's it, it works by selling people the idea that they're on their way somewhere with this stuff and that it's like it's it's i don't know that it defines your life in some way right uh but society's falling apart you know because yeah. capitalism doesn't work and it is what it is and so for that reason people who are being told that this grift is the way to define their lives and make them feel good are not feeling good so those people are alienated and those people are on reddit and they're the joker and they're crazy and all this yeah. stuff and they're having a crisis right and so because those people are in crisis i think this is where like 
fucking Gavin McGinnis came along. I was going to say, like, boys. this was like the Proud Boys thing, like the the like hyper machismo masculinity thing, like the, you know, like yeah. the three percenter dudes with the fucking like the the blue line flag and like, you know, just like even like the iconography of it, like just, you know, I mean, this is hardly the biggest thing, but, you know, it's taking all the colors out of the American flag and making it just blue and black and white and just like, you know, just the Zack Snydering of their whole like aesthetic, just being like is like big and fucking bulky and broad shouldered and like, you know, driving these like big dick trucks around and like having these like gigantic, you know, guns and shit. Uh, it just, you know, just this like whole performance of like, I am not a sissy that is just yeah. so crazy. <laughs> that is just so like, like I see those people and I'm just like, damn, dude, tone it down. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Oh. Nobody's coming for your shit. What's weird about that shit is that like, it is a performance, right? And I, you know, there's a tendency to like make fun of those people and go, you're actually a pussy and you're insecure and all that stuff might be true. But the thing is, like, what's weird about that shit is, you know, so he came along, right? The Proud Boys came along and they offered, they filled this gap that people, again, alienation. Yeah. And they gave him something, but they gave him the reactionary version, which is we're going to find an enemy. We're going to fight degeneracy. You know, we're going to team up and fight uh, against, you know, people that are ostensibly. You know, scapegoats he used to explain away everything. Everything's wrong because of the woke people and the fucking genderqueer people or whatever, right? right. Um, it's stupid. Uh, but I don't, like, dislike macho shit. Like, I... I like being a guy, you know. Yeah, and like, I mean, I I do martial arts. You know, like I I I like metal. I like you know, like I do like guy shit. I mean, I I fight with these people online a lot because I like fighting. Look, <laughs> yeah. it's fucking cool, you know. I like uh, even even as a com- comedian, the verbal form of it, but also like you know, I mean, fucking, I you know, let's find out you know <laughs> like uh, i uh, i don't see myself as a uh, you know as a wimp but not that there's anything wrong with that but it's like you know there's a spectrum of things that you could be as a person right yeah. and um and i think the way to the way forward you know is probably to offer men and women and everyone you know just like a like they do this in feminism a lot they say like if you want to be like a pretty delicate lady who you know yeah. barefoot in the kitchen yeah Great, but yeah. the, the point of feminism is that that's a choice and not that you forced into it, right? right? And so, with guys, I think you should be allowed to be whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, and this—if you want to be a I, big muscly big boy, then be a big muscly big boy. That's yeah, okay. It's cool, but know? if you want to be a little shrimpy guy, be a little shrimpy guy. And I think that what we need to destroy is the system that's in place that goes, you have to be this one. It's better to be this one. You fucking right. beat up the other guy for not being the thing or whatever. Which is why there's like a new like woke form of like machismo that I think is kind of cool is when you meet somebody who's like you know like a like a fucking street fight fan or something like that yeah somebody they're who's forklift like, certified yeah and they're like a punk but they're like you know like tough on behalf yeah. of you know what, what punk is supposed to be which is beer drinking fuck. axe throwing like big fucking yeah. dudes and you respect people's pronouns and shit yeah. like that like at the same time. And you're like, no, I'm going to fight against the people who are actually oppressing us, right? Yeah. Um, I think that shit's cool. And so my kind of grand theory of all this stuff is like um, Fight Club is a misunderstood movie. You know, people yeah. people hate it and they think it's for, you know, all, all the wrong people like it or whatever. But uh, the movie was about a crisis of masculinity and like 
about how you could make a better version of like the Proud Boys. Like you can build yeah. this cultural space for like better stuff to be happening. And uh, that's, you know, I mean, as a comic, you know, they're as anarchists. a guy who people I mean, fucking know about, that's what I try to do, you know, because I yeah. just think about how miserable I was when I was a kid because I didn't have somebody to look up, you know, I'm not, such a, I hate to fucking put it in those terms because it's making me sound like I'm fucking, you know, making a hero out of myself. But I'm just like, no, this is what I'm just trying to contribute, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, I was, I was such a miserable fucking kid because I'm, you know, not a hundred percent in the fucking box that we're all supposed to be in either and the parts that don't fit into it make you fucking miserable and i just i wanted to fucking destroy that you know yeah um i don't know and it, it's you know and it, it's weird because it, vulgar marxists will kind of look at like art and stuff and go well you're not going to change the world with art but like i think that uh that orthodoxy to understanding materialism that that stringently does not really fit into the world we're living in because I think you can look at, you know, the the destigmatization of queerness and all this other stuff that's happened the last ten years and twenty years, thirty years, whatever, and see how, you know, we live in a, a world that is the currency that we trade in is art and information and stuff like that right now, and uh, it fucking does, it can, you know, it can do all this stuff and. You know that's where I'm at, and I try, I try, try to act like I'm changing the fuck, saving the fucking world by you know doing comedy and podcasting and stuff like that. But uh, but I try to do what can be done in that realm with it, and I think that's the way, uh, the way forward. You know, which way, Western man? Are you gonna go down the fucking stupid Reddit Joker path, or uh, you know, <laughs> be cool? You know, yeah. choose cool. Be one of the good voices. Yeah. Well, I think you're one of the good voices, Jake, and it was really great to have you back on the show, and uh, I want you to keep doing uh, everything that you're doing. Um, can you give us some uh, plugs? Let us know uh, where to where to find you. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you don't know, my podcast is Pod Damn America. It's, you know, leftist comedy bullshit. My other one is Why You Mad. It's uh, with my friend Luisa Diaz. We talk about the comedy industry and philosophy and all sorts of weird shit. We just had the guy from the QAnon that episode was great. I was, I wanted to get into that, but I mean, we just didn't have time. But like, yeah. Well, was, if you're curious about that, really cool. listen to that. He came out as a furry recently and he came yeah. out on a show and talked about it. And it was fucking awesome. Yeah, cool um, as hell. The cool guy from the QAnon. The, the good guy. The good guy. Frederick, Frederick yeah. Bennett. Brennan. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, check. Those are my two podcasts. And then uh, I'm going on tour. I just rolled out the flyer today. Uh, follow me on social media. My at is feral jokes, like feral, like an animal jokes, like jokes. It's an anagram for my name. And I put all my tour dates and stuff like my pinned tweet. My oh, Instagram. The pinned tweets coming back. So if you're in the Southwest, me and my friend Avery Moore are uh, coming through to do stand up. It's going to be fucking crazy. We're going to Las Vegas and we'll lose all the money. Uh, that's it. Hell yeah, man. Well, this is great. Uh, go see them if you get the chance. They're both really funny. Thanks, Listen man. to that shit. Thank you once again to Jake Flores. Thank you for listening to all that. I know it was a long one. I know we really, we got into some stuff. We just kept going, man. I don't know. We were just, we were just jamming. So, I don't know if you listen to that all in one shot. If you skip past some shit, if you listen to it in installments, that's fine. I don't care. Do what you gotta do. Anyway, music is by Shea Bartel. 
check him out. He's he's a cool guy. He's got cool art. He sells. Uh, he makes like lamps and jewelry and shit too. He's he's a real talented dude. And uh, yeah, check out check out Jake's stuff. Uh, he's really funny on Twitter. Um, he's he's a real spitfire. He likes to fight people, and it's really funny. And um, if he's coming through your town, go see him. And uh, that's all. I love you. I kiss you on the mouth. I die for you. Especially if you're a patron. Patreon.com slash selfworst. Thank you. Until next time, I'm Brad Pearson. Until, wait, no. That's not the outro. Fuck. Until next time, I'm tired. It's like six in the morning. I don't know why I do this. I get up ass early and record this shit. (sighs) Until next time. Go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye.